0: Welcome to our Ted Lasso Talk, the TedCast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton.
1: Okay, welcome back, beautiful people. We're so happy to have you here with us as we explore our... Season 3 episode 8 We'll Never Have Paris. Is that what it's called? We'll Never Have Paris. Yes. Yes. That's a uh, riff on the old uh, Casablanca, We'll Always Have Paris, right coach? Great movie. Play it again, coach. Ah, I like that. That's very good. I am I am your host coach Castleton. With me as always is coach Bishop whom you have just heard. Mucho
0: mucho joy. That's what I'm bringing. Good, we're going to need it today, because with us, as always, is our boss, Emily Chambers.
2: Um. So I've been told, I got some feedback on one of the more recent episodes uh, in a text that said, Emily, in the next episode, you need to go back and fucking apologize and correct yourself about how hard my niece's dance recitals rock. So I would like to specify those dance recitals kick ass. With the exception of the tap dances, I still cannot get on board with those.
0: Fair enough.
1: Yeah, tap is, tap is interesting. And, and I will, I will definitely uh, applaud the skill of tap dancers. It's really kind of amazing. But I watch um, the, uh, the good old World of Dance show uh, hosted by J-Lo. I don't know if you know that. And Neo and um, no. Derek. Mm-hmm. Derek uh, what's his name? Oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, uh, Ho Derek Ho, yeah, yeah, yeah from yeah, Dancing yeah, with the yes, Stars. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three of them are, are delightful. Um, mostly Neo, um, and um, but but they uh, they will have competitions between various dancers, and I'm always amazed because I can't dance. I have two left feet. I'm just blown away by anyone that can. And you know how much I love oily hips, so I watch these dancers <laughs> and I just go, "Holy shit!" Especially there's different types and different styles. And then what they'll do is they'll show like a dance crew using eleven different types of dance, none of which I'm familiar with. But I just watch as a complete layman. I just stand back and I go, "Holy mother of God, this is amazing!" It's like the best thing I've ever. I look at it and I and I pull way back and I go, "I cannot believe humans. This is something that happened with humanity, <laughs> like once upon a time where." Just, just like spitballing bulls on 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 cave walls, and now we have this synchronized amazingness. And then there will be like, okay, that's the the one, you know, crew. Now here come, you know, Brett and Mary, and it's two tap dancers, and you're like, oh, okay.
2: It's not. It's not the same. Yeah. It's not. It's not. I say this as a woman who took an adult tap dancing class with one of my best friends, and did we you did. Really? Yes, and it, we were bad we were not good and there was a recital and there is a video somewhere
0: <laughs> out there oh <laughs> my god
1: the bidding
0: begins the bidding begins at name your price that's where the bidding wow. begins wow, I, wow. I can, what? I, it
2: might it might still be on facebook i need to look for it that's I amazing see it. It's still around. That, yeah i it's I've thought
0: about doing that you really did it i applaud you that's awesome Shuffle, ball, step, kick, change. Step. See, that's the thing. You have to go through that phase, and I. It seems maybe there are a good forty to fifty phases after that, and then your Gregory Hines. Like I needed a much quick. I I needed to be promised a much quicker curve to the Gregory Hines. Wow, that's cool level. But yes. yeah, I I think because it takes be,
2: so long to get there.
0: I would imagine. I mean, geez, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, it's
2: rough.
1: I am so happy you mentioned Gregory Hines, because I fucking love Gregory Hines.
0: He's so smooth.
1: I don't think I've ever seen him do it. I was just thinking about Ice Pirates. Wasn't he in Ice Pirates?
0: He was in a movie with Billy Crystal. I believe it was called Running Scared, I believe. Oh, dude. Have you seen Running Scared lately? No, it was years ago. I remember seeing it with my buddies in the movie theater. Was it terrible?
1: No, no, no. I used to love Running Scared. Like, really, really loved it. And then I was like, wow, this is really... um... It doesn't hold up in the same way. You're like, oh, this is a this is a movie about about uh, two guys who are in love and they don't know it. And so you're just like, oh, this is a it doesn't it doesn't play later on as a buddy cop thing. It plays like with today's eyes. You're just like, oh, yeah. okay, should have like Yeah, you should have just jumped into bed and we wouldn't even need a movie because that's what it's like. Really, it's it's very different. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was, but no, I I, I still quote
0: lines from oh, wow. Running
1: Scared. Waiter, there is too much pepper in my
0: paprikash. My paprikash. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. I would never have pulled it out. As soon as you started, I was like, yeah, paprikash. Um, So there you go. That's how I wasted part of my youth. Um, But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought that, um, yeah, I'm trying to remember. But yeah, anyway, Running Scared was very fun. I had a professor who used to say that um, basically buddy movies are really just romantic comedies with guns in them. I thought. I think you're right.
1: Yeah. No, it's good. Uh, also, I found out that uh, Gregory Hines was not nice pirates. I've I've uh, conflated him with Michael D. Roberts. So this is a good time for me to learn the difference between black people. That's really funny. Um, so, um, we're, which actually I'm, i pretty, I was pretty impressed. Uh, we went uh, through the, we're going to get to a scene in episode eight where, um, we, it was like the Taft Hartley, uh, everyone gets joined the SAG kind of scene where, uh, everybody gets a line. Oh, here's a line for you and a line for you and a line for you when they're all going over the, you know, the, the
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah. Uh, the, whatever the photo, photo bomb, uh, deal photo release thing. And I remember thinking, oh God, like I I I identified successfully identified the the ancillary players. And I was like, God, we've been doing this doing this a long time, coach.
0: Yeah, and no a, a really scary level of detail when you're going through this stuff. I mean I'm I'm trying to remember the last time somebody mentioned a line and I couldn't tell I mean, we're to that level now where I can tell you What led to that line? Who was involved? What was in that scene? I mean, it's a little crazy. But here we are.
2: I'm sorry. I'm still trying to catch up on Ice Pirates. Because I was just (laughs) doing some Googling. And the 80s are fucking wild.
0: The 80s, listen. Oh, man. Have
2: you
1: not seen the
0: Ice Pirates? Craziness.
2: No. Oh.
1: No. No. You're in for a treat. You are in for a treat. This is a fucking great movie.
2: Yeah. yeah, I was reminded the other day about Time Bandits and how fucking wild that one was, too. So I, I, I'm not to step on Ted Lasso's toes because amazing show and everything. But I don't know. Did you consider adding Ice Pirates at any point, Jason?
1: Oh, yeah, that would be... Uh, yeah, now, uh, Time Bandits is... Uh, uh, God, I could just go... I could do all the entire episode on Time Bandits. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do a Time Bandits <laughs> episode. Time Bandits is so good. Sean Connery's in that. As Agamemnon yeah. or something? Or Right? Yeah. Like Yes.
2: Yeah, it it it's absolutely wild. And also, it was supposed to be a children's movie. Like, there was a part where they go to hell, and literal Satan is like, well, you guys live here now. And it, my parents showed us to us as children and that was not abnormal.
0: When yeah, I think about what up, yeah. was going on in some of these movies that everybody was like, yeah, go watch TV.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the yeah. hell? Yeah. Like, it, it, uh, The Adventures of Natty Can was one of my favorite movies growing up and it's about a girl, like a teenage girl, running away from home and crossing the country by herself with an actual wolf in order to find her dad. Like, oh. Wild shit. Sorry,
1: this is a Ted Lasso podcast. No, we've all we've all done it. We've Correct. all gone cross country with a wolf in one way or another. Obviously, um, mm-hmm. we are going to. Yeah, we're going to jump right in, and we're going to try to keep this as fun as possible because this is a tough episode, and um, it, it is. Uh, we'll never have Paris written by Keeley Hazel and Dylan Moran. Uh, Dylan Moran and uh, Keeley Hazel has no, I believe, no writing credits before this. And at least on this show, neither did Dylan Moran. Um, we talked about in the in the in the the uh, rapid response episode. This was our first rapid response, by the way. This is when we said, "Okay, we're going to lose pace. We can't keep up with ninety-six hours of recording a week," and we just kind of hit this quickly. Um, there has been some criticism of this episode in that it was written by uh, people who were uncredited up uh, before this, one of whom. Was, I believe, uh, this is something I'm not really great at, but boss, is this, was, was Sudeikis dating Keely Hazel at some point or something? Yes. Okay. From my understanding, that's what the
2: tabloids say, correct?
1: Right. So, so the, the criticism you'll hear is, oh, he threw it through a bone to his girlfriend to get her credit. Um, uh, I, I would you're going to really do this, boss. You're going to do this. Thank you.
0: All right. He, there we go. He, sh-
2: he sure did throw her a bone.
0: I'll stand down. Thank you.
1: I have mentioned before that I think that uh uh Miss Hazel here and 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 uh the good Mr. Moran have have drew a short straw because I think in seasons where there's twelve episodes it, it you tend to have a lot of uh a log jam around eight or nine and it they become episodes where you are tasked with um sort of closing all the plot lines that are open, and sometimes you're just juggling all kinds of uh penguins and it's terrible so um the this episode is directed by Erica dunton uh, we are gonna go through and this is interesting because we're gonna take a look at it from the perspective of now the show being over, and we know what's happening uh what or what has happened uh if you're if you're catching up with this episode uh via the deep dives. At a later date than the air date of it, um, you might not know at your point what is what has happened if you're a new viewer to uh, the, the Ted Lasso universe. So um, we will try to avoid talking about what comes after this episode, but um, right. we will come at it with that perspective. So we open an aside scroll. Um, it's blur. Starts blurry. It Keeps moving. As we unblur, we see uh, Higgins, Keely, and Rebecca standing and smiling, clapping. Rebecca can't seem to believe it. Um, it seems like like what Coach says when the team is excellent. Uh, the personal lives are in the toilet. Usually, uh, we hear Arlo over top. Jamie Tar collects. He's been rich with this unequivocal talisman today. Love the word talisman. He finds Rojas. He finds Rojas, and it's there. The crowd cheers. We have uh, my ever-changing moves by the Style Council playing. We get a whistle blowing. Arlo over top again. Richmond have beaten Aston Villa 3-0 with an offensive display. And this is us scrolling through. We're getting an overall sort of montage of all the great wins that are happening with AFC Richmond now that the lasso way uh, and total football is clicking. Um, Arlo is, says uh, – an offensive display that's as dazzling as it is unfamiliar. Now we uh, blur out and we blur bla- blur out and blur back in. There's a tiny bit of speed. Uh, it's interesting. The blurring was not uniform uh, and the speed was not uniform. It like sped up and slowed down. It's obviously a choice. Um, we, we arrive in the um, uh, In the pub. And you have PB&J and a packed house in the pub cheering their asses off. They're super excited. Uh, PB&J are dancing. That's Paul Bass and Jeremy, for those uh, uninitiated. Um, they're dancing and fist pumping. And uh, May, May has she's behind the bar with her fists raised in victory and elation. And, and elation. Um, Arlo says, over top, AFC Richmond make it two decisive wins in a row. Southampton never knew what hit them. So far, so good, uh, Boss? So far, no complaints. Okay. Uh, we blur out again, and we sp- the, the tape speeds up. A- again, part of the side scroll, I think, was trying to um, emulate uh, a little film reel. It is kind of the vibe I got with the, uh, the speeding up and slowing down, old school film. Uh, we blur out again, all the way to black, still scrolling. And then we blur in to see uh, Sith Lord Rupert Mannion on his dark throne. We hear Arlo over top say Bummercatch with a ninety fifth minute winner over Tottenham. For those of you who forget, every soccer game or football game uh, is ninety minutes, and then a ninety fifth minute winner would be in stoppage time, basically overtime. Um, And and Mo Bummercatch with a (laughs) with a rare tally, uh, he's gonna have a have a good night uh, with with his friends uh, after the Tottenham game. Uh, Tottenham Hotspurs, one of the hottest teams in the league. Somebody on the lasso, uh, on, on the lasso staff hates the Hotspurs. I don't know who it is. Possibly Brendan Hunt. I'm not really sure, but I know that like they keep doing them dirty every time they're ranked and stuff. They just keep putting the uh, the Spurs uh, very low.
2: Well, that was the team that Ted Lasso, the commercial coach, was supposed to be coaching. So I don't know if that I don't. I can't imagine that they would think like you guys were involved in our original camp commercial campaign. Fuck you guys. I'm, I'm wondering if that's more of a joke than, uh, them hating anybody on the team Yeah, or, or hating anybody, hating the team.
1: No, no, It no, could very well be. I love that boss. Yeah, you're right. That's a good, that's a good point. They might just be sticking it to him a little bit, uh, friendly, friendly, um, friendly ribbing. Um, Rupert uh, taps a key on his MacBook in frustration at the at the uh, overtime winner. We blur out again. We hear um, Arlo say, "The dog track has gone absolutely putty." Uh, and I thought uh, that Coach Bishop might think, "Yeah, this whole this whole season's about shit anyway, right, Coach?"
0: <laughs> I didn't think that, but I, but you know, I love that. You know, I do. Uh yeah, but no, that's i i just kind of laugh that you know the things we say, the slang we have it's always very interesting what uh there's usually some sort of body part or fluid that is involved when we really get excited or mad about something
1: <laughs> now we're on um uh the football uh show i don't I forget the name of it it's usually well we say soccer Saturday, but it's not this is like the um This is the one with Jeff uh, Stelling as the host. And, um, uh, Boss, walk us through the very quick scene here with, um, you know, the, the talking heads, the pundits, as they're sort of analyzing Richmond's performance.
2: Sure. So Jeff says, another sensational win for Richmond away at Everton. And Clinton Morrison says, that's four in a row. Amazing. Life is good for the Greyhounds. Although, again... The sport is good for the Greyhounds. We have no idea about life
1: yet. And who is Clinton Morrison, Uh, uh, by the way, coach? I mean, by the way, boss?
2: um, He is a former footballer who I believe now does some commentating and obviously a little bit of acting. I don't think he's been on the show before, though. I don't think we've noticed him. Got it. Yeah. George Cartrick, who we definitely do know, says, It's a lucky streak. What up? Goes up, always comes down. And Arlo says, exciting times on Nelson Road, and you have to think that no one is happier than Coach Ted Lasso.
1: Well done. Well done. Now we blur speed all the way to Coach Ted Lasso's face. And we slow down. And how does Coach Ted how is Coach Ted Lasso showing his joy here? Coach.
0: He looks like someone kicked, then killed his puppy. Um, he's just. He's just broken up. Not, not. We're not sure yet what that's about, but obviously um, something bad has happened. Around the third win, I was convinced they were just going to kill a, kill a uh, character right off the top. Right? I, just, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is a lot of winning, y'all. Uh-oh. Um, but we are about to find out. It's not quite death, but it's death adjacent. Now I talked about how uh we were supposed to do this deep dive a uh, week ago
1: and I just couldn't bring myself to do it but I have girded myself in the interim and now I'm prepared to talk about the <laughs> the the visuals we get here uh really really sort of sad and forlorn looking Ted and we reverse to a tight shot this is a, I, sh- I was like god have we seen this shot before it's about a foot and a half behind his head with a wider angle lens um it, we rack focus from his back, and then we see over his left shoulder. He is sitting across the table from Doctor Jacob, over his left shoulder, and Michelle over his right shoulder. And I was like, Ooh. "This is when I started to do the show doc last week." And I saw this shot, and I just—I was like, "Nah, nah, I don't, I don't think I'm emotionally yeah, prepared to r- do
0: this." Yeah, this was rough. This was rough. I was not. I was. I was mad and sad and uncomfortable. There was a lot from there was like going on with me, never mind with Ted in this moment.
2: Yeah, I feel like we talked before about how there's always going to be one episode somewhere near the end of the season where everything gets wrapped up and whoever has to write that episode gets sort of shafted because there's so much going on that needs to be covered. So, in this episode's defense, the two main plot lines are incredibly hard to address and also. Not super pleasant for the audience. Like, regardless of how well you're going to do this episode, the fact that it is a negative subject matter, not negative in like, it's dark, but negative as in everybody's kind of like, Oh, nobody wants to watch Ted and Rebecca uh, and Michelle and Dr. Jake together right now. Nobody wants to see that. The people in the scene do not want to see that right now. Like the characters, don't want this to happen.
0: A hundred percent. That's a great way to 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 position that because Michelle, she's had a, she's had more pleasant breakfasts. I'm get I'm I'm gathering.
1: So so it begs the question about why they chose to do it then in the first place, um, why it felt necessary to the show. I will say that as the sole member of the podcasting crew here who has been through a divorce it can be a very difficult transition to um well, well not for me i was thrilled when <laughs> when my ex got a new partner i was like oh god thank god now, whew, not my not my problem um but <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah i i i um i will say that it can be it can be um Difficult to see your your former partner uh, move on. And we've talked on this show about how difficult transitions are and and that sort of thing. Um, And I appreciated at least the attempt of showing how to maturely uh, transition and be an adult and uh, be kind and curious and not judgmental. And as as little as I wanted to see this, I did appreciate people playing nice. Um, Yeah.
0: I would say, in particular, for Ted, um, you just making that point made me think about this. He he's been in a position uh, more than once um, where he's needed to essentially ask of someone else on the team or the coach, or whatever, that they make room for something or someone that maybe wasn't that easy to swallow. And 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 I think it, it, it's sort of cool to watch Ted. Live up to that. Like, this wasn't just like, this isn't just, you know, hey, what's up with your weird breakfast cereal? I mean, this, excuse me, is a real thing. And beyond it being just, all right, you know, she's dating someone, there's a reason why it's weird for him to just say Jake. And uh, the fact that even with that element of this, that it's Dr. Jacob and blah, 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 that he's still handling it well, I thought was extra impressive.
1: Well, let's not forget that the last time Michelle was in London, she was sleeping in his bed. Granted, with Henry in between them, but, you know, she comes back with, with a suitor in tow, um, and a replacement, uh, you know, male guardian for Henry. And none of that is, is typically simple for your average, uh, your average bear. So, um, we, we hear like a whoosh noise. Sounds like an exterior door closing we hear we we transition away from um the um the music to sort of internal diner music kind of thing. Ted smiles, he forces like a sort of a pain smile, and he says, "What boss? I'm glad this little trip worked out for y'all, and now we reverse to this locked shot, which is interesting. It's again behind from behind Ted but it also now reveals that Henry is at the Wizard of Oz uh, pinball machine in the corner. Um Michelle says, "Yeah, Henry's really excited to spend the weekend with you." Ted says, "Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh I'll take face-to-face time over FaceTime anytime." It's just forced and terrible. Uh it, it is a lassoism, right? But it's still
0: you know He's making the best of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I feel like this would have been a really excellent time to introduce all of these, like uh, Ted Lassoisms, but only face value. Like it, it, the way that in uh, season two, it was the Don't You Fret Boba Fett. And like if this had been him off his game, if he had continually made puns, but they were deeper and they had more of a connection and everything else. And then you throw in something that's so. Obviously, super surface level, not that interesting to say. It would have shown him in his emotional state more. I feel like part of the problem with earlier writing issues I had is that it didn't create enough of a distance between Ted on his game and Ted off his game.
0: That think, is interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to revisit some of them, but yeah, that that actually, I, I get that. And I get, I certainly get... How it would impact this moment?
1: Well, my big, my big, uh, uh, among other things, one of my big things about uh, concerns about season two was I kept saying, "God, like the the lassoisms lack some; it just rhymes half the time, and they lack the depth." And and in defense of the writing staff and the show, they had eight years to make the first season and about eight minutes to make the second one, so it is tough to live up to that standard.
2: Absolutely. Uh, This is where I would like to um, plug my new, my new old favorite show, one that I watched and then revisited, but not everything could be a show about people pulled through time holes from their earlier eras, the prehistoric, the Viking and the 19th century to the present day, and be referred to as be foreigners. It's my favorite thing that's happened in a really long time. I have written about it. I will talk about it more. I love it.
0: You, you, you this is not your first time mentioning it, so I'm really getting good, the sense. Good. Yeah, that's okay. I'm gonna have to move that up the list because you are. <laughs> a... <laughs> if only, if only to understand. If only to understand.
2: It's so batshit and lovely.
0: Oh, it's amazing. I don't like wordplay.
1: So uh that title sucks out loud to me, but I really do I, I, I enjoyed the I, show. I, I, I watched the first <laughs> season. I really enjoyed it. It was really, really weird um, but but good and and you know when you start watching shows from other countries this is is it Sweden Foreigners? Norway oh, Norway okay um, yeah you you the sensibilities of a different culture are can be very, very refreshing. It sort of gets you out of your. It, rather than saying like oh this is an tour that i'm so fascinated by it's like oh no no, they're just different rules and mm-hmm. different pacing and different cadences and different expectations and so you just so you, it, it feels very alien sometimes and you go wow this is like this is fascinating um it's a real glimpse in, in, into a personal life of a entirely different nation um but uh love that mm-hmm. I, I think it's great i i have not seen season two yet Uh, Quick question, and this goes out to our listeners as well. I know that when Ted Lasso ended, I felt wounded and I was grieving and um, I just felt uh, a sense of loss. And my natural reaction was to start to watch shows. This is why I showed you guys um, the one (laughs) with the the 10 seconds where Coach said, this is a little dark for our audience, man. Um, But... (laughs) now boss has gone to a beloved show i have gone and back and watched a few beloved shows coach have you done anything like that
0: i have um immersed myself in fantasy football content so i've been watching a lot of youtube just nonsense just make my brain work on something else be somewhere else so Mm. that that is probably related to the end of ted lasso
1: I'm trying to figure out where our different op- our, our choices land on the chart of fight and flight and freeze. Um, you know how are we? How are we? Sort of. It's it, coach. Uh, by the way,
0: I think I, I just I'm. I think I'm on freeze on this one, which is not my usual reaction. But I think you know I've just sort of checked out. Like it's unreality. Like it's called fantasy football. Like it's like it's it's unreality, and I'm happy to be there.
1: I just realized that you sent me a text like a couple days ago saying, Coach, I want you to weigh in on this this dynasty trade I'm going to do. And you're so <laughs> excited about it. I, I never heard anymore. So after after we get off, I want to hear about that, Coach.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, I'll take face-to-face time over FaceTime anytime. Um, so he and Michelle laugh. Uh, she knows his cadences and his. she, she knows when he's um, nervous. And Jake smiles politely and he kind of glances at Michelle which it was a di- directorial choice by Erica Dunton I really liked um yeah I just really liked it, 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 it the, the him like looking to Michelle for whatever I'm like really, it just uh, riles me up um, Ted says and you know I want to say it's been nice to, uh, to re- get to re-meet you Dr. Jacob to which Jake says what coach
0: Ted please I insist just call me Jake
1: uh, you got it Jake I, I, like so many of us, I mean, I wanted to be like, "Uh, well, yeah, I just, I just know you, yeah, fuck you, Jake. Or, or you know, I know, I, I know, uh, I know, I probably should, but see, when I met you, you were coaching me to, to you know, yeah, leave my wife, and, and it's just kind of <laughs> funny that you're uh, <laughs> sitting over there with, with her hand in your lap, uh, so <laughs> like, I wanted to be Col- Columbo, oh. it, you know,
0: that's uh, funny.
1: Uh, maybe it's me. I don't know. It, it seems strange to you that uh... uh anyway. Uh okay, so uh all right, trying to get through the scene. Trying to get through the scene, guys. It's painful for me. I hear you. Uh he says you got it, Jake. And, oh no. Nope. still feels weird to me, you know? Like whenever you hear uh when I hear white folks call uh Jay-Z Jig man, you know? And I was like,
0: oh jeez, that know. was a laugh out loud for me. Yes. By the way.
1: That 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 he is correct about that. that there
2: are really a lot of funny. things white people actually shouldn't be saying. Like there are a few that are very clear and outlined. And then there's just a bunch of like I have only very recently decided I might be able to occasionally use the word dope, but I still need to be saying it ironically.
0: I love that. <laughs> Wait, dope? that is a level of self awareness. That is a level of self Okay,
1: coach me up here. What What is the dope? I I use dope quite a bit, I think. Oh, wait, wait, like dope, like that's dope? Like that's dope, yeah. Oh, no, I call people dope. Like you're a dope. You're a straight up dope.
0: No, 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 no.
1: No, no,
2: no, 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 no. No, I mean like I am – it's not that I am getting cooler. It's that the use of that's dope is getting less and less cool. So we're sort of meeting – I'm just hanging out and it's passing through on its way to – Something that grandparents say.
0: That's great. And I would not have thought of that word particularly, but the way you have presented it, I'm like, that's good. Like, we all have to choose. <laughs> like, we have to choose those. Like, yes. you know, there, there are ways, you know, I joke around with a lot of women on, uh, on, on social media. And like, there are times that the conversation takes off and they start talking about fuckboys and whatever. And I'm like, I am officially sitting this one out. See you guys next time. Yes.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Could I have some more uh, rose, please, Janice? Um, so Michelle has a, a kindness of spirit here where she says, Oh, or like when you see a priest wearing shorts, you know, she she jumps in with him. She doesn't just ice him out, which I appreciated. Um, one of the very few things I appreciate from Michelle in the entire run of series. Um she, uh, he says, Yeah, 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 exactly. Weird, you know. Or, or when you get pulled over by a cop who's the same age as you, you're like, Come on, man, be cool. What, what are we doing here, you know? And he's directly talking to Michelle. Because mm-hmm. if you look mm-hmm. at Jake in this scene, Jake has checked out. He's like, What? Like, he's like awkward and uncomfortable. He doesn't know what Ted's talking about because he doesn't experience this.
0: And so. Um, it reminded me of when Ted. When they found out that the Milk Sisters weren't going to show up because, you know, Rupert's an awful human being. And when Rupert said they won't be coming and Ted said, oh, no, have they expired? It wasn't that Rupert thought it was a bad joke, which, frankly, it was. It was that Rupert didn't even understand that there was a joke happening. I thought that was the key to that moment. And to me, it was kind of like if they just both turned and were like, hey, Jake, don't feel left out. What's your example? Like, he would have been 100% stumped. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on at all right now with the two of them.
1: Yeah, Rupert uh, missing jokes is one of his core values, I think. Like, oh, I see you're burning the midnight oil. Oh, I'm sorry about the smell. like, what?
0: Yeah. He's just a... Yeah, he's totally, yeah. Joyless fuck. (laughs) Anyway. Well, I would say, too, he's not invested... To get someone's joke on some level you have to they have you, you have to be willing to to have a connection and Rupert doesn't need a connection with anybody not even his multiple wives
1: yeah not one he that he doesn't pay for anyway um that part uh henry comes to the table and says um, can I get some more money for the pinball please and what happens here boss
2: both Ted and Jake reach into their pockets to get some coins out and it's extremely yeah. awkward.
1: Well, yeah, whoop. They, they, oh no, I'm sorry. You what, Listen, this is okay. It's fine. It's just good natured. Uh, Jake correctly says you go ahead, you know, to the <laughs> biological father and um, Ted has. Um, so this is again, a choice uh, from the, from the showrunners the from the staff. To show uh, two different colored magnets and an Ola's matchbox cover, which um, which might portend something that uh, at this point we don't know if it is uh, meant to be or not. Uh, and I know certainly that this moment uh, really elevated the hopes of some of the various uh, Ted Becca truthers in the world. Um, but ultimately, Ted does not have change. Jake then checks, oh, maybe I do. Let me see. No, I got a pocket full of American coins and a complimentary sleep mask that did not fit because I have a huge head.
0: Okay. That's as much as I almost felt for him, because I'm just Dr. Jake, like, just no. But I felt like in that moment, that was like his, he was being self-deprecated. He was being like, you know, I thought that that, it was, he's obviously also uncomfortable for good reason. And I did feel for him a little bit right there. He 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 really was trying.
1: Yeah, I mean that was such a. I mean, self deprecating humor is so uh, winning and, and so relatable that I was like, "Oh, was that Michael Gorman Rather than, uh, you know, like is that, like an was that just the character, the actor playing? You know, recognizing, yeah, I have a right, giant. Right. You know how big your head has to be for a for a one size fits all sleep mask to not to not make it over the over your melon. Uh,
0: pretty big, pretty, pretty big. big,
1: pretty big. So May shows up. Uh, Come on, Prince Henry. I rigged the machine so you can play without coins. Ted says you said that was impossible. Oh, May gives him a look. He goes, "Oh," which I took to mean, "Yeah, not for you, fucker, <laughs> or whatever."
0: Like, yeah, you, yeah, pay. you pay, you <laughs> fucking head gaffer. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I love that.
1: I'm not in the uh, the charity for Premier League coaches business. Um, and she says, here you go, two English breakfasts, enjoy, and she sets the uh, breakfast down in front of, um, Jake and, and Michelle. We don't really get a great look at the, uh, the food on them. Uh, and I kept wondering, wow, man, like, May, what are May's work hours? Like, does she work? Like, she's up at the crack of dawn, right, the break of breaka, and then she works till, what two a.m. I'm I'm like when do pubs close? When you were out there, boss, um, mm-hmm. trying to uh, stalk Brendan Hunt, did you find uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the? Do you remember what time the pubs were open to?
2: So I actually only went to the pubs. Well, I only stayed till closing one night, and I don't remember what the closing time was because I stayed until closing. So, um. Uh, you, a, couple had a couple friends out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, we went to three different bars. We did a mini bar, a uh, pub crawl. All of them were amazing. I believe that I got home sometime around 1am because all of the places to eat were closed. And I eventually had to wake up at eight the next morning and run out to the McDonald's down the street. Cause I was like, I need something, some food inside here right now wait a or second, I wait am a going second. to die
1: wait wait you yes, went to McDonald's in that, London you are you are actual like actual legitimate American like trash there.
2: okay okay okay, okay. <laughs> how but dare listen, you sir in, in my defense <laughs> that, is, in my that defense. is horrific okay here's the thing in my defense on the way home on the tube because I only took the tube because I made sure I wasn't a, an American asshole like that On the way home, on the tube, I'm on my phone. I'm like, okay, the place, the pub across the street that is a real pub, will they be open and give me chips? And they said that they would be. And then when I got there, they were closed. So what I tried to do was just go to sleep and deal with it in the morning. And in the morning, my stomach was like, if you make me get up right now, you had better put some potato products inside of me because otherwise I am not moving anywhere. And the only thing that was open at that time was the McDonald's. I got two hash browns and a Diet Coke. And then I went out for breakfast later. This was a temporary stop.
1: I yeah. see. Okay. All right. I I, I stand corrected though. I, I I here I thought you just just couldn't be too long without a McRib.
2: Um, <laughs> oh God! I I have my entire life never had a McRib or a Big Mac. Never tried them. And really? now I really.
0: Mm-hmm. I had a McRib mm-hmm. when I was a kid. When it came back out, I was like, I don't. You can't forget Nostalgia. Like I like even as a kid, I think I kind of felt like. Nah, this isn't right, man. Something's not right here. There's no bones, but there's like bone indentations. Like, what's going why on? Why do here? they? Why what's do they make here? the bones? Mm-hmm.
2: Why man. do they make?
0: What is oh, happening? I don't
1: get it. Mm-mm.
0: We're bringing back gristle and
1: cartilage. <laughs> <laughs> I have never had a McRib because um, I'm classy. Uh, just I want to want to get Literally. that. Across. But listen, boss, you said chips, and that means you know you were trying to trying to win and roam your experience. I I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's what I tried. I just failed. So may says nothing's impossible to Ted. Um, I'm like, okay. okay. It's weird. Yeah. It was a weird interjection. Yeah. You want to go away now, may, um, I think people like May more than I, I. don't know if I dislike May. I don't think that's what it is. I just find May. I, I really need more of a deep dive on May. Cause sometimes she's just weird, and sometimes she's really tribal and really close-minded and kind of an asshole, which probably you know Boss really likes about her. Um, and sometimes she's inspiring. Sometimes she gives you the speech you need when you need to hear it, like all the best uh, bar keeps. Um, but when she says nothing's impossible, to Ted, I'm like, oh, oh okay, like. I like, I'm not sure this is the exact, I'm sitting here across from my ex-wife and her new boyfriend. I'm not sure I need like the Invictus moment right now. Um, (laughs) But, but (laughs) Invictus, thank you, I guess. Uh, Thanks for quoting Nelson Mandela before you uh, actually drop the fucking hash browns. Um, Okay, uh... Jake uh, may, may dips and Jake says, "Um, I should wash my hands because I touch dirty money. I'm a hand wash guy, Ted." <laughs> boss, boss, you can't see boss. That's
0: you weren't you weren't turned on by that, boss.
2: I I just it, what does that mean? Like you're a hand wash guy.
0: It means no. he's got a, a bit of a, he's a little germaphobe. Yeah, obsession. Yeah, with the old germs. Okay, we the... got a little okay, little,
1: little touch of the OCD probably, but that's okay.
2: Then you need to say that because saying I'm a hand wash guy is like, well, I'm I'm a stickler. And I brush my teeth it twice a day. <laughs> like, yes,
1: that's what people do. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, weird no, to point no, it out. No, well, there are definitely. Uh, listen, I said a touch of the OCD, and I so I, that might get me flamed. Sometimes people, when you make light of uh, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder people get mad but i never know how to talk about it without because i have i uh have some of that and i know that like i have some hand stuff some like definite hand stuff i grew up with and i remember i because i have a son who is very very he's he's a lot of a hand washer because he can't he just hates the feeling of sticky fingers or what it's like a sensory kind of thing um so maybe it's not uh you know specifically ocd but it's a a, dis- a cousin um and i remember growing up and having that same thing and what broke me of it was being broken of it <laughs> like i had to work with motor oil on cars with my family oh, and i had to yeah, you know luck. so you're like what are you going to do like you can't i couldn't yeah. wash every couple sec- it just you know, I, there were, there, were, there would have been physical violence had I tried to uh, to uh, jet out and, and clean up. Um, so, yeah, uh, so Jake is a hand-washing guy. The the, the thing that struck me about it as, as a little... I'm like, okay, this is nice. Like, he's just being honest and whatever. Like, if I'm trying to be curious and not judgmental, I say, like, okay, that's I'm glad he, you know, he just explained it. He could have been like, I touch your money, peace, and whatever, but he says, oh, I'm a hand-washing guy. And I'm like, okay, that's him trying to just whatever but also the part of me that is i guess me and the part of me that hangs out with boss too much is like give a fuck bro (laughs) like
0: like, well that's the thing we hate him so anything he said right now if he was like hey ted i've got a million dollars in gold bouillon in my bag would be like fuck you and your gold like i I hate this guy which is totally i mean they did their job right Mm. Um, But yeah, I can't stand him. And pretty much every time he breathed in or out, I was like, fuck that guy. You know, I have a lot of friends
1: uh, and, and I and I pride myself in having friends of, of all shapes and sizes and makes and models and y- you name it and, and and men and women and, and everything in between. And uh, but I have this one friend who's such a fucking blue collar hard ass. And so this reminds me of a no win situation for Jake. Like there's nothing he's going to do. Right. We already hate him. He couldn't have said anything. Um, my friend is an uh, auto mechanic, and he was working uh, in this really high-end auto shop with a bunch of other sort of real blue-collar tough guys. And it, this was in Arizona at the time. And I remember him telling me a story where he was they were working, and it's outside. They have to have the, the garage bay doors open, um, and it's 110 degrees. And they're working like, you know, it's just exhausting. It's hot metal, and... You know, it's just whatever. And then the guy that uh, – like the, basically the manager comes in from the office and he brings in – he wheels in two huge um, uh, coolers full of ice-cold Gatorade. Just like re- like all different flavors of Gatorade full of, full of ice. And he's like, guys, I know it's hot out here. Uh, I brought you some Gatorade. And he had, he had gone and paid for them himself. Like it wasn't c- corporate budget. It was like – Those guys must be fucking hot out there. And my buddy, this is his name's Tim. We call him Timmy. Um, Timmy's reaction to this guy bringing Gatorade was, fuck you. (laughs) And I was like, what? Like, what's he supposed to do? And he's like, oh, you left your fucking office to go down to Cumberland Farms or whatever, 7-Eleven, and get me Gatorade, you fucking piece of shit. Why don't you drink that fucking? I'm like, so there's some. I'm like, what? And then when I say that to him, I'm like, Tim, what the fuck? What's he supposed to do? He just laughs. He's like, I don't know, but fuck him.
0: I'm like, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew he was going to say it again. I knew <laughs> mm-hmm. he said, we're supposed to, be, yeah, I don't know. Fuck him. Wow. Right? I, I sometimes it, it's like it, that. Wait.
2: So is he a, a local buddy? Is he also a, a, a Massachusetts He's buddy? originally
1: a Masshole. Yeah, yeah. Originally from from Massachusetts. Yeah.
2: Because I would like to mention that when I was in your fair city last fall, I tweeted, Hey, Boston. You're pretty good, but how come your streets change names in the middle of them? And one of our buddies from Boston replied, because fuck you, that's why. So like, this is apparently just a thing you guys say. Mm. Yeah, because fuck you, that's why.
1: I I once sold a script. This is a true story. I once in Hollywood sold a script because I wrote a line about mass holes driving uh, and I said, uh, why we never use our blinkers is because you don't want to telegraph your next move to your enemy. And they were so blown away by that concept. Like, wait, what? Like, yes, everyone on the, everyone you're driving with is opposition. We're not in this together on the roads in Massachusetts. We, you are a competitor. Um, so, yeah, it's a whole. It's a it's a whole thing, but anyway, Jake is sorry for that that dalliance. But Jake really couldn't have said anything here that would have uh, satisfied any of us, and so he 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 takes off. And Michelle says, "Yeah," and she says, "He's he's a hand wash guy." Like, and, and Ted, you know that? Yeah, go ahead, boss. I mean, go ahead, the go
0: Michelle ahead. The, the Michelle echoing of it. <laughs> maybe I was putting too much into it. But it felt to me like I'm a little embarrassed that he's a, that he not only is a guy who can't reach into his pocket and then just go ahead and eat, but I'm also embarrassed that he felt the need to identify himself as a hand wash guy to my ex-husband. So I felt a little like, wait, who's on whose side now? Because she seems to be getting along with Ted better than she's getting along with... Uh, her uh, her new friend here.
1: Yeah. There is that. Yeah, there is that sort of uh thing. W- sorry, w- not to uh belabor the point, but I just realized you guys remember the story when I told you that I'd got that nice new yellow jacket and this guy came in and said permission to come aboard captain stewing and he yes. humiliated me in front of the entire department. Same guy. That was the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he is a murderer. God damn permission to come aboard kevin just i wilted anyway um yes i coach you make a good point um it's almost like a bridge or something where you're like oh let me translate this you know hey you know shoulder shrug whatever um and he says he does this other little thing that that uh, that i like where he's like well better safe than sorry you know like Mm -hmm. and i'm like it's so generous i think yep um yeah, he doesn't he roll the eye. can probably put a,
0: a joke in quotes there. He could have hit him with a zinger or whatever. He doesn't do any of that here.
1: Yeah, well, hey, I know where those hands have been. It's pretty dirty. Um,
0: That's
1: funny. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he could have done. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, he's yeah. So I'm trying to think of a on-the-spot stolen wife joke, but but anyway, yeah, he could have done. He could have done any. <laughs> he could have done anything. Buddy just says, better safe than sorry, which is very kind and generous, I thought. She says, yeah, right. Are you sure you're not hungry? No, no, I'm good at a big big old piece of cereal at home, which we know was that big fucking Weedabix, I think it was. Um, She says, okay. Besides, you know, English breakfast to me is just a pile pile of a bunch of tiny little piles, you know? But please, help yourself. You're going to need your strength hiking around that English countryside. Uh, And then what does uh, Michelle say here, boss?
2: Oh, yeah, about that. Uh, Jake told me on the plane he's actually taking me to Paris.
1: It was a surprise. Oh, Paris. Uh, great. Yeah. Which one? You know, Paris, Texas, Paris, Arkansas, Paris, Ohio, or, or <laughs> the other Paris in Ohio? I think, actually, I think there's three Parises in Ohio. Do you say Paris? Uh... uh, Paris, Paris, you know, in France. Oh, the, the default Paris. Right. Uh, All cool, right. Cool, cool, I cool, know. cool.
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's good. I was just going to say, I know, you know, these moments for me, this was one of the most effective ones. Um, even the ones I I have less of a problem with some of the Flanders stuff than others, but it felt to me like Ted short circuited here. Like he was like, I am super fucking unhappy right now. I really want to flip this table. That's not a very Ted Lasso thing to do. So, like, I, I could almost feel like the angry him, like giving him, giving the the, T- the Flanders version of him the the strut sign, you know, like you would do from the side of the stage. We're not ready yet. Just keep it going. You know, how many Parises? All those Parises. Cause he just, this, this definitely knocked him off his square, as they say.
1: Yeah, good point, coach. I think he was, uh, Oof, I think it all happened to him in real time. And he made the, the connectivity with Paris. Uh, and then he just tries to, he says, cool, cool, cool. Well, that's going to be, uh, I wish I knew the French word for nice. And Michelle says, très bien. And he says, tre, très bien. Uh, and uh, we get a little, we hold on Michelle. And well, we're back to Ted. Michelle is looking at him. She's so super, super awkward. Uh, she just goes to start digging into her food and we roll to the opening title sequence this is pretty good for us guys uh we're roughly just under an hour in getting to the uh title (laughs) Mm -hmm. sequence that's good (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially on this episode you wouldn't think this episode i thought we might do it in one but um we end up with an establishing shot of a contemporary two-story bungalow and we're in bed with jack and keely coming out of the credits because boy oh boy, nothing helps you wet your whistle after Michelle and Doctor Jake than Jack, in bed with Keeley. Jack, you know, Jack says, you know, I think hooking up with you just by- might be my favorite thing ever. Actually, Coach and Boss, yes, uh, I'm I'm fi- uh, fighting a um, like a uh, trying to not to upchuck. So would you um. <laughs> Read uh, Keely. Uh, why don't you read Keely? Coach, you're much more of a Keely than um, than uh, Boss is, and Boss, you are mm-hmm. much more of a Jack than Coach is. So, um, mm-hmm. but in the best ways, not in the real Jack ways. So, why don't you guys just read through this, and um, I will stop you uh, when if I'm able to control my regurgitation.
2: Got um, it. There we go. All right. So Jack says, "You know, I think hooking up with you just might be my favorite thing ever." Yeah. Yeah. Well, second favorite.
0: Hmm.
1: Go on then. Wait. 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 Hold on a sec. What? Did, what? What was that? Second. What was her first favorite? I don't know. Is this like yeah, Ridge- the Richmond joke it. that we couldn't figure out? Is this so simple that oh, you know, right. like
0: the Virginia thing? Yeah, I, the Virginia
1: I was... Yeah. Like what? Her first favorite is... uh, I don't know. All right. Oh, good. Well, it seems like it mattered. Okay, let's keep going.
2: Yeah. No, I don't get it. Mm, Uh, Go on, then. And then the cell phone chimes. Uh, Sorry.
0: There goes my boner.
2: Oh, my dad Uh told me my uncle...
1: Uh, boss how do you weigh in on a uh, you enjoyed uh when women say suck my dick um mm-hmm, like when shandy mm-hmm, said mm-hmm. that to to dan of all people poor little meerkat dan <laughs> um uh when Keeley says there goes my boner uh similar response or
2: that one actually i don't like as much there's something funny about a woman saying suck my dick because i, I mean it's the same way that I don't believe that bitch is gendered, but calling a man a bitch for some reason is sometimes a way funnier. Yeah, um I get what you're but, saying. But, um, but I uh, actually on Shrinking, which is Bill Lawrence's other TV show on Apple right now, um, they have a discussion about how there aren't good words for female arousal, that we don't get boners, that, that there's like, there's all this – there are some terms, but there isn't anything where a woman could say, like, what is the equivalent of woman saying, I've got a boner? It, it, one of my least favorite things is that um, the TV show Archer, Dr. Krieger one time says, uh, stop, my penis can only get so erect. And it's the thing that yeah. I use, the, the gif on Twitter that I use when something is really, really great. And there's no female equivalent of that. Where is Cheryl shouting, like – stop, my vagina could only become so engrossed or whatever it is. Like, why don't we get those words? Where are our words for them?
0: Not to get all, you know, first semester of women's studies around that, but it seems interesting to me that we deny women so much, you know, in terms of sexuality or that there even would be sexual desire from women, which I still in the year 2023 have seen uh, said by guys online, which is amazing to me. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's probably, that's, that's part of the lag, language-wise. Yes, we need it. I
2: believe that uh, on shrinking, the equivalent of, I wasn't able to get it up, or get it up, was uh, glisten the peach, I think is what they settled on. Wow. I'll need I'll need to follow up with that. But yes, we need more of those
0: words. I, I'll toss in that archers uh, also brought a sploosh which used to make me like cough choke laugh like sploosh (laughs) yes sploosh i should say
2: anytime that i parallel park well i do say sploosh it it, once i once i'm
1: in the spot
0: (laughs) how do i really really let me count the ways
1: yeah yeah no i really (laughs) like it that that's a (laughs) go-to I'm gonna think about that next time. When you hit a really good parallel, I'm a damn yes. damn good parallel parker. I've gotten better over the years somehow. And sometimes, you know, especially when people are like, you're not gonna be able to fit in there. And you're like
2: You're like, oh come on, give me a second. Right.
1: I'm gonna get that. Yes. And you say out loud, yeah. sploosh, or you think sploosh?
2: Oh, you say it out loud. You say you say it out loud. Phenomenal.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing.
2: It helps if somebody's in the car in order to witness all of it, but you just say it to yourself if you need to. That's fine.
1: Do either of you tap the inside
0: of your roof when you go through a yellow light? No.
2: I, no, I have seen people do it, but I do not okay. do it.
0: What is, what is, what is that? I've I I never heard of
1: that. I don't know. Do you lift up your feet when you go over a railroad track if you're in a car? no there are all these little little things that we used to do growing up and i do i still do some of them also if i if i ever go through a yellow light uh um that is turning to a red while i go like if i ever push push the the limit i always say it was orange you have to say it was orange when you Mm. go through so Mm. there's like little (laughs) things that uh (laughs) i don't know i just thought everyone did this okay that's fine all right yeah there goes my boner um I'm really, I'm really, I'm gonna have a hard time. the The, the lingering thing I'm gonna love about this episode is Boss saying "sploosh" whenever she parallel parks. From now. That's that's fucking great. Yes. I will tell you that I was on a date one time. Uh, talking about how the inequity in, in words, I was on a date. It was going fantastically well. I was driving. Uh, there was an absolutely uh, lovely person, uh, girl in the in the front seat next to me, and we had the windows open. And it started to rain, and I said to her oh, shit, are you getting wet? And she said, not getting.
0: Oh! Ooh, I like I like some good banter. Right? I like yeah, me some good banter. I, I'd have been like, oh, yeah. I did not close the deal on that.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, if you want to know, know, oh, know how amazing awesome. of a dater I am... I didn't even kiss that person. Didn't even. Didn't even. I, I, I struggle to recreate the the level, the number of mistakes I must have made to oh, uh, to shut that door. But um, yeah, no, that's good. I just want to. I want to uh, listen. I think it's important to, to discuss our failures as well as our success. But that that moment certainly feels oh, like gosh. a victory, right?
0: I wish I had an intercom to call Higgins down because we definitely need a diamond dog right about now. <laughs> uh, I'm not not good
1: at um things, Coach. Not good at things. Um, so there goes my boner. Uh, never thought I'd say boner on the air. Not not thrilled about it. Uh, let's get, continue with Boss as Jack.
2: Oh, my dad told me my uncle Barney is in town and he's invited me to this big swanky polo event tomorrow. Wanna go?
0: Oh. Uh, the one time I've been on a horse was for a photo shoot years ago. Horse was so drugged up that it could have been the guitarist and the Sex Pistols.
2: No, uh, we don't play. We just stand around and drink champagne.
0: Oh, right. Of course. Yeah.
2: It's for charity. You know, see celebrities, red carpet, big trays of tiny food. It's a whole thing. We should go. It'd be fun to show off my girlfriend.
0: Sounds great. And and it gives me an excuse to go to Harvey Nix.
2: Okay, I'll tell Uncle Bernie he's gonna love you.
0: I didn't know your dad had a brother. Brother. I don't Br- mean that. <laughs> brother. Bruv- <set up>.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh no, sorry. Uncle Bernie is a family friend. Bernard Arnold, he runs
0: Moet and Louis Vuitton. Does he need another fake niece?
2: You can ask him tomorrow yourself.
0: That's very cool. I like I liked that reaction. One that Keely absolutely knew who it was. But I also liked that um, she jumped right at, does he need another fake niece? Because she Jeez. obviously doesn't really think that. But also, that was her honest reaction of that level of excitement. So it was cool.
1: Yeah, I'm going to jump in here and say a little quote from a classic Van Halen song, Love Walks In, where they say, contact is all it takes to change your life to lose your place in time. I, I will tell you that, um, as uh, it's, it's who, you know, <laughs> it's who, you know. So if your dad, uh, his uncle is, uh, his best friends with Bernard, whoever are, no, um, all you need if you're a Jones is to go on the arm of Jack or go as a friend. And then, you know, ideally your personality has a chance to win the day. Uh, but, those doors are closed to the vast, vast majority of people. When when you do get through the door, which I have uh, at certain times in my life, you will be uh, oftentimes stunned at the level of boredom and um, uninterestingness of the people who are inside the castle. You just go, wait a sec, these are the... Like, are you shitting me? Like, you can just be... A, if you have any personality whatsoever, you become a fucking hero because these people are just exhausted by the same old, same old. And anybody with a differing perspective is fascinating. And man, I I think of so many times where I was in these situations where I'm like, God, they just don't you know, it's the difference between Rebecca and and, and Keeley saying, like, Oh, you're one of the people that names things. And I said, I would just like the people that name things. I don't can't imagine being one of the people that doesn't, you know, like that has do you remember that that conversation they had? Yeah. Anyway, it just feels like to me, um Keely Jones, Keely fucking Jones is so vibrant and amazing. Um Jack uh Danvers in, in my opinion uh opinion is slightly less so. She's interesting, but she's not Keely Jones level interesting. And um but she has the keys to the castle. So in in this moment Not only
0: that, but yeah. she, I, I thought it was significant that she talked about showing off her new girlfriend, which sounds nice but i think in line with the rest of the love bombing kind of tips her hand a bit as to like what's going on here right like she didn't say to introduce them to my new girlfriend let them get to know my new girl right to meet my new girl it was to see like i got like maybe i got a new car maybe i got a new purse maybe i got new shoes or maybe i got a new girlfriend
1: Yeah, that's interesting, coach. I didn't, uh, that's good. I'm going to have to think about that more. I do. You're right. I think you're a hundred percent right because Jack does telegraph all of her sort of foibles. Oh, you know, I've heard this before and, and, you know, love bombing. She knows what it is. So it's probably happened but when she opens up this scene by saying, Oh, this is my favorite thing ever or whatever. Or second, I'm like, bullshit. Well, like how many times have you said that? It's just like not authentic at all i was like don't uh, whatever just on behalf of keely as keely's uh self-appointed personal protector uh i felt um uh anger and i just wanted to be like no like uh, just have just be honest with me like this is i know this is your thing i know this is how you chatter uh, whatever, whatever whatever new fling you have when you buy companies t- to bed their owners but um it just ugh, the whole thing yeah um okay so we get to this point here does she need another fake niece, which is adorable? I was very invested in Keeley's excitement. Um, I just want her to have good things, even though she's a fake character on a fake show. <laughs> I was just invested in her. It's true, uh, though. Happiness, right? I just want her to have. I think she deserves to be there. Uh, in, in the in the words of uh, uh, William Money and Unforgiven, deserves got nothing to do with it. But. Um, when you stand there and you, and you value someone, you want them to have nice things. So um, we're at this moment, and that's when Jack – we've talked about this before in other episodes. Anytime uh, – you can ask him yourself tomorrow. That's very cool. Before anything gets too serious, what does Jack do, boss? What's her go-to move anytime any real conversation might happen?
2: More importantly, where
1: were we? Right. So back to uh, the hookup. Um, mm-hmm. Keely says champagne. Mm-mm-mm. Harvey Nix. Fake uncles. We hear a cell phone alert. Drugged horses. Another alert. Another. All of a sudden, wait, what's going on? She looks at her phone and Keeley says, what, coach? Oh, fuck. Right. <clears throat> and um, so again, uh, we talked about the difficulty of this episode. Um, I was like uh the oh fuck for a moment, I'm like, okay, is somebody on the team hurt? Is is everybody okay? So that's my I was trying, I was like, why did I have that reaction? Is, is Roy okay? Is you know, are people is everybody okay? I didn't know what the I thought it was team-based and this would be a work-related thing for Keeley. That was my first reaction. Um now uh again, uh season three, episode eight, we'll never have Paris where we've uh, scaled Mount Jacob and Michelle, we have weathered the plateau of uh, Keely and Jack. Uh, So what more fitting uh, of a, um, of a scene could we have than um, (laughs) in bed with uh, Nate and Jade as the next, uh, as the next thing. So again, this is, whether whether you agree or not, it, it doesn't – we're not trying to malign the show. I certainly uh, think it's a masterpiece and I love it, but I, I will say that based on our polls, based on online reactions, based on everything, these are some of the uh, least interesting or least uh, – the the subplots that people were – the least invested in and so your your heart bleeds for the keely hazels and dylan morans who have to write about them in you know right in a row to try to check 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 get some boxes checked in order to get to more important fare um so coach walk us through uh the scene as we cut to uh a shot over nate's right shoulder with uh him in bed with jade
0: so we're in bed with them. He's reading an article on his phone called Richmond on the Rise. Uh Jade stirs. Nate, hey, morning. She says, morning. Nate uh kind of lets out of that was nice. You staying over on I me, mean, not the um, well, that obviously that was nice as well. I don't all right. So, uh, you know, we we're back to nervous, uh, nervous Nate. Uh Jade says, Your breath smells good. <laughs> to which Nate says, Thank you. And she said, Did you go off and brush your teeth and then sneak back into bed? Yeah, yeah, I did. He laughs. And she exhales on his face. Does my breath smell awful? And she and he uh says, Yeah, it does. And he starts laughing. Yeah, it's quite it is quite bad. Um This is this felt
1: said, like something I, I when I saw that, I thought, this is a boss moment. Boss, I want you to weigh in here because I thought I thought you would like the reality of Jade being like, "What the fuck? Like we're like fuck you. This is how breath smells in the morning. You don't have to put on airs." I thought you would at least enjoy, if not enjoy the you know whatever the the context of the scene. But I thought you would like the moment about Jade being real.
2: It, well, I I appreciated it, although also um, at this stage in my life the answer is you wake up and both people go brush their teeth before any kissing happens. There was definitely a period in college in my early twenties where it was like, we're all disgusting and smell bad and beer is leaking out of every pore of our bodies because we're children who are doing nonsense. Um, But no, now as adults, it's you get up and you brush your teeth and then you could fool around if you want to, but you get up and you brush your teeth. Um, I did actually like a little bit that usually it's reversed. I think it was, um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel where it showed her getting into bed with her husband with her hair and makeup fully on like, yes full yes. full makeup yes. yes and then she gets out to like do her night routine and then get into bed and then does it the same thing in reverse in the morning. So I did like that at least the guy this time was like I'm going to make sure I smell good.
1: So was it Sam Obisanya who brought up uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or well anyway the, te- the
0: te- correct? The, te- the team has been watching. Correct. It. Yes. Yeah. Um I thought too though that Nate in 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 the category of um Wonderkind Wonderkid, I think it's important for Nate to start considering that everybody everybody's breath sinks sometime and, and and you don't have to pretend yours doesn't so I thought I thought there was a little bit more wrapped up in that for Nate as a character that yeah like we're 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 past that part man I just spent the night at your apartment yeah that's a really good point
1: it's incredibly difficult to be yourself if you don't know who yourself is correct um, so you're always putting on airs or, or you know pretending to be something you're not and uh yeah he was uncomfortable whereas jade was just completely herself uh un- unabashedly goes to the bathroom and um know she says uh so look uh uh, wait. He says she says quite. He says yeah, it's quite bad when she breathes in in, in uh, his face. He says, look. So would you want to go and grab some breakfast? I don't know if you got plans or what. She says no. Breakfast sounds good. He says, you know, I don't have any meals planned with anybody else in the foreseeable future. So he's sitting here just obsessing about what this mm-hmm. means. Um, he says, I don't know. Do do you? She says no, I don't. Um, she's super casual. Doesn't like none of this is interesting. You know, like. Uh, she's not rattled at all by this. So if someone were to ask about us, what terminology we'd best recommend describes our relationship, uh, there's no pressure to label us, uh, you and I. J- and she says, all right. She just grabs that. <laughs> she's silent until uh, uh, there's an old tactic in negotiation where just don't talk. And eventually mm-hmm. the person will, will start to capitulate and come back into the boat. Uh, she just waits till she gets something she can agree with and says, all right. Um, uh, there's a lot of power in silence. Uh, Nate says, yeah, yeah. No. Cause I'm just cool. Uh, just cool and casual. Just, she says, me too. Wait, did you shave? Uh, he says, yeah, yeah. Shaved and showered. And, and he used the, after I use the toilet and the next door is flat. Mm-hmm. She says weird. I,
2: yeah, no, it is weird. There was, um, what was the, the, the big sick which is uh, Kamal Nanjiani and his wife, Emily, whose last name I'm forgetting right now, uh, but it was the...
1: Yeah, Morris life,
2: Yeah, what's her last name?
1: Right, yeah, I'll look it
2: up. Morris, I'll look it up. In a, yeah, it, it, but it was like a, a dramatized account of their actual meeting and courtship and falling in love and everything that went along with that. Emily Gordon. Uh, Gordon, damn it, Gordon. There are too many Emilys. I kept thinking Keller, but I knew it wasn't Emily, or uh, Emily Heller. I knew it wasn't that. Anyway, Emily Gordon. Um, and there's a scene where the Emily character tries to leave his apartment in the middle of the night. And he's like, what's happening? What's going on? And like, she won't tell him it's weird. She's super weird. And then like, after a few minutes, she's like, I have to take a shit and I can't do it in your apartment. So I'm going to go down to the Dunkin' Donuts. I have never been that woman. That is not a thing that I am ever going to do. And at this stage, it's now like, I pee with the door open in front of too many people. There are too many people in my life that I'm like, this is comfortable and fine.
1: (laughs) I've been meaning to talk to you about that because when we're recording, it gets a little weird.
2: I know. When I bring the camera into the bathroom with me and you guys are like, you can just pause. (laughs) We can just take a minute.
0: Wait. Oh, we're close. But are we pee close?
1: I don't know. I,
2: I do have friends that are level of pee close. That is a thing. Um. Yeah, so, I, again, I like that the genders were reversed, but I still don't like the thing itself. Like, everybody poops. It's okay to poop in front of you. It, it's okay to poop in the same apartment as your partner. Like, if if you can put parts of your body into parts of their body, you can use the bathroom. It's fine.
0: We are just churning these t-shirts out. <laughs>
1: I um am, I'm am, uh, completely on the other side no 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 uh surprise where I I'm very bathroom shy and I would also would not um take take a uh uh you know I would not uh I would not, Poopy? Yeah, I would not uh d- drop a bomb uh the morning after a great uh hookup just wouldn't wouldn't be my go-to move um but um then again I don't have a lot of uh successful posts uh morning hookups as, as we yeah, talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I know how to bobble yeah. that ball uh, really well. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I will say that, uh, yeah, Nate is still, it is well written in that you see that there's some discomfort with him and, and she's very comfortable. Uh, Jade is very comfortable with who she is. And so it gives you that trajectory where he could be, he could learn something. Um, she unabashedly urinates And he says, "Wow!" Because he just marvels at uh, at that. I actually have that exact same reaction. People are just like, "Yeah, like whatever." Like, uh, one of my friends wrote a a great short script. Really, and he shot it. It was called "Pissing Quietly," Um, (laughs) and it sounds like a joke, but it was really good. It was like when you're a dude and you don't, you just like kind of shoot, aim for the side of the bowl instead of like the center. And, and because you don't want anyone to know about your flow or your whatever, and I was like, "Oh, this is really interesting." Like, what is this? Uh, it was just like a short film, but it was really good and really, really smart. Um, and yes, I, I like the reversal of gender stuff, um, and I like that Jade's like, a like good, like strong Polish woman. Just boom! Mm-hmm. I don't. This is what. Mm-hmm. This is what. This is what I got. Um. Now we, uh, on Nate's while we shift back to Keely and she is what, what we're doing boss here is we're looking on the phone and we're seeing the video that got released. And can you walk us through this a little bit?
2: Yeah. So she is sitting, uh, it looks like backwards on the chair almost. She's -hmm. wearing a big pink, uh, sort of fur-ish coat and sitting backward. or sorry, the chair is pink, obviously her chair is going to be pink, wearing a big fur coat, sitting backwards on the chair so that as she lays down on the bed, you can sort of tell that she is in fact making a a video for a sex partner. So it's graphic. We actually don't see that much of it, but it is heavily implied. She masturbated on camera, sent it to one of her partners. I would also like to point out that um Criminal by Fiona Apple is playing like, in the background. That song is ironic. I need everybody to know that. When she says, "I've been a bad girl," she doesn't mean it. Like there's a generation of women who listened to the song when we were teenagers and thought, "Oh, it's about a woman who's done wrong. It's not. It's about a woman who was saying, like, oh, yes, no, I did a very, very bad thing. I'm so super sorry, everybody. I really i am so sorry I offended you. And she does not fucking mean it. And that is why we still love the song 20 years later. It's fucking phenomenal.
1: It really is. And there was a time where I was like, god damn, Fiona Ava, when she burst onto the scene, it was very Billie Eilish. Or, or uh, you know, it was like this, you know, it was just like one of these singer-songwriters you used to go, god damn. Like, she is at a different yes. level than her contemporaries right i remember yeah. that very very clearly um co- <laughs> coach coach is going i'll take your word for it uh, no no yeah, i yeah.
0: I, at least, a, I at least am i at least i'm aware of who fiona apple is so yeah no don't i will uh but yeah i don't have i don't have a take on fiona apple mm. but i am aware of fiona apple yes fiona apple these days is a court watcher
1: um she is someone who has uh, taken an interest in watching the proceedings of local courts, especially the ones. I think the the, the one she follows is in Maryland, and she's very in, invested in it and and tracking the judicial process and uh, calling bullshit where bullshit needs to be called. And I just like principled people. She seems she's just I just like her, just like her. Um, I've been bad, bad, bad girl. I've been careless with a delicate man boss. This sounds like something. sounds like something you might have tattooed on your, on your, uh, derriere.
2: Uh, ironically, yes,
1: <laughs> but not, <laughs> for, you guess?
2: but not, not genuine. It's not a true statement.
1: <laughs> um, Keely throws her phone down. She says, Nope, you're right. I shouldn't watch it. Shit! How did that get on the internet? A private video like that? Jack says apparently there's just been some massive leak. It's not just you. It's actresses, singers, a couple of politicians, some random reality show guy with a very big dick. Mm. Uh, any idea who that is, Coach? Since
0: yeah, I did have a thought in passing, but I, I was I was holding out. But I, I I thought that line was there for a reason. Right. Um, Keely says, "Oh my god, I can't
1: believe this is happening." How did that? Fuck, fuck, fuck. Jack says, "Hey, hey, hey, hey." kelly starts to spiral. No, this is bad. Because my friends are gonna see this, my family, the team. Oh my God. Jack says, take a breath. Oh my god, the office, I'm their boss. Uh Keely says, uh Jack says, Keely, stop, take a breath. Uh Jack is actually very uh calming and she's she's I think she does a good job uh in this scene as a partner and as a someone watching some someone spiral and you know, she's a calming influence, which is good to her credit. Um Jack says, I'm so sorry this is happening, it's gonna be okay. And then she says, uh, I'm going to take care of it, okay?
0: I didn't think of this in real time, but as you just read that, um, when we talked about love bombing um, at dinner, that one of the things that uh, was highlighted by Rebecca when she ended up with, was it a Jaguar or something, for, for her second date with Rupert? Yes. That it was nice to feel taken care of. So it's interesting that Jack makes this specific promise here.
2: Yeah. I think that that's part of the issue. um, I I have mentioned the TV show Platonic, which is also on Apple that I I am fucking loving right now. Um, I wrote a post about it but in there I mentioned that um Rose Burns character Sylvia is having not exactly a midlife crisis but she is trying to figure out what her passion is and where her priorities are she's raised her family and now is she going back into the professional world or what does she need to do with herself and my advice for anybody who is a partner of a woman in that position is just do the fucking laundry like just take care of the schedule for a week don't like giving her some time to take care of herself rather than take care of everything else is all that you need to do for her because it is unfortunately kind of rare that somebody else steps into the role of managing a household and scheduling the kids and everything that needs to go with that. And women predominantly still handle all of that. So just like stepping in and actually taking care of something start to finish fucking huge. If you do that once a month, you're above and beyond anybody
0: yeah coach you fucking knuckle dragger
2: <laughs> jesus christ seriously
0: <laughs> i love it i love it
1: uh yeah juliana's like a total golf wife She just she just that's it that's hilarious it's all it's all just just hair appointments she, just whatever or, she wants to yeah yeah, yeah 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 that's it totally um oh yeah um, um, so we get, uh, uh, Keely saying thank you. I, I said, I just gave Jack a lot of credit because I thought she did a great job, um, comforting Keely and calming her down. I always tell you that, uh, one of the main jobs of a parent is to tell kids it's going to be okay. Um, the difference and the thing I did not like about this is that Jack said, I'm going to make it okay. And I hate when people make promises that they cannot possibly deliver on. Um, because I think it's manipulative and I think it sucks. And so like I liked everything Jack said. I'm so sorry this is happening. It's going to be okay. Right up to that point, I'm going to take care of it. Because we find out later also that Keeley's like, oh, you're going to take it. Like, I will take this down. Um, I will make this go away. Because I'm a billionaire or the daughter of a billionaire. And um, I think that's how Keeley took it. I think that's why she felt a little bit better. Like, okay, this is... This will, well, this I will mean, be that's
0: solid. also the way it was said. I didn't think, you know, I didn't get the feeling that, you know, Jack was like, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to call a press conference and say women are allowed to be sexual. I mean, I, th- I feel like that's what she promised.
1: You, you, I want to clarify. You're saying she promised to make the video go away kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how yeah, I yeah. read it, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, now we, Kelly uh, says, thank you. Uh we get an establishing shot of the greens being cut and then to Richmond into the locker room uh over some synth house music. We have Will and Henry, and we have this little scene where now if if I remember correctly from the rapid reaction, I thought this was Will doing Ted a solid saying, Hey, but hey, uh, you know, Ted saying, Will, can you look after uh Henry? Just include him in whatever. And I think you guys thought, oh, this was Will sort of mischievously having a kid do his work for him. So.
2: Well, the answer is both. Like,
1: yeah, that's what the, I, yeah.
2: The, the quickest thing, the best way to handle uh, telling a kid anything is saying, Oh, well, you definitely can't run upstairs and find the remote and be back in 10 seconds. I know that you can't. And then they do it because kids are savages sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Until you get smart kids and you say, yeah, I know you can't do it. And they're like, no, I, you're, I wonder if you can do it, actually. I'm curious. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I can fucking do it. Watch me. Um, So, boss, walk us through uh, what Will says here, please.
2: Will says, okay, Henry, we have scored excellent on kit presentation. Hanger integrity, insane. But we did drop a little on the towel folding, didn't we? But that's okay. I've been there. But that does lead us to our next task, which is towel placement. The question is, are you ready? Are you steady? In that case, go, go, go.
1: Nice. And then we cut to uh, uh, the coach window where uh, Beard, Roy, and Trent are watching. Trent is holding his rainbow mug. One of our uh, esteemed listeners commented that they wanted more from Trent and that the rainbow mug made him a parody or just like a very – Generically, like, oh, here's, I'm a gay man. I can only use a rainbow mug. And I was like, oh, God, it never occurred to me that way until, until this intelligent, smart person that listens to the show pointed that out to me and ruined it. Uh, So thank you, smarty pants. You're you're 100% right. I mean, in that way, right. Why does he have to consistently, why couldn't he use whatever? Um, Obviously, it's, you you don't want to, we don't want to minimize. You know, what Trent is, there's a fabric to his personality. He's got, you know, tr- like anyone else, the f- that fact that he's gay is not, um that ain't the headline, as Ted would say. It's just that he's a human and he, ha- he has as much depth as anyone else.
0: I. It's interesting because I, when I read that, I thought, yeah, well, you know, I can't argue that. I mean, in terms of like, let's look at the text and see what everybody comes away with. I guess for me, because there's a lot of play. I mean, even with, you know, um, you know, Roy always wearing, what did he call it? Charcoal gray, not black or whatever. Right. I, 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 saw it more as who brings color in and who doesn't. Um, just sort of as like a, a character, like Keely is always going to have some interesting color stuff going on, pink and red. You know, what I mean, like she's just doing Keely things and she can wear any color. So I thought I took it more in that direction of maybe he was a little bit more realized than some of the other characters, but you can't get around the fact that he is, you know, who he is, and that that is most certainly a rainbow mug. So maybe now to this to this point in the episode, I would
1: argue we don't have any really great standout lines yet. Um, And but I want uh, Coach, I want you to read Roy's next line, and Boss, I want you to read Trent's response, which I think. It is a standout excellent line
0: is this a game or child labor
2: in late stage capitalism what's the difference
0: and beard says word yeah i, was,
1: I thought that was pretty good i thought um, that's great yeah um will says you're doing really well henry really really well henry then we'll go into the weight room and do some cleaning next that'll be great uh the the music oh shit wait did uh i didn't call out the music oh no no i did i did this is the music actually was just that synth synth poppy kind of i don't know just generic instrumental stuff um the music then stops um as they as the three coaches turn or trent and the two coaches turn back to reality nothing boss we're not made for each other huh you, you Got to say. Oop, Apparently Oop, Oop, There goes gravity. I mean, I, I, I'm just saying. Like this is this this is when you <laughs> that's said. Funny. Oh. What was the thing the oh, other oh, day? Dress oh, 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 tuck it up, e- tuck it in. What, what was the? Um, back, pack it up, pack it in. Pack it up. Yeah, that's it.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. But here's my problem. You said synth poppy, so I was imagining back to life, back to reality. Yeah. Back oh
1: yeah yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And that's why that's I couldn't a great pick song. It up. I was that's I was right. getting a different vibe.
1: To soul. <sighs> Make so makes sense, yes. Yeah, Sold us soul. Hey, uh, that's great. All right, so uh, hey, fellas, let me ask you something. Trent says, mm, if you could propose to someone, you know, anywhere in the world, where would you do it? Roy and Trent both say Paris. Uh, Beard says, what, boss?
2: The Hall of Mirrors at Lindorf Palace in Germany, because mm-hmm. if she had agreed, I'd be surrounded by a thousand yeses. Or Paris? Why?
1: Right, or or. <laughs> Or or also Paris, uh, uh, Doctor Jacob is going to propose to Michelle, and everyone goes Ooh, like a big exhale. Like uh, and he says, "Yeah." Uh, Roy says, "Genuinely." Oh, Ted, I'm so sorry. Do you want to talk about it? And Ted says, "Yes, I do." Uh, Beard says, "Diamond Dogs, mount up," and <laughs> which chases Roy out of the room. Never fucking mind. Beard barks into the phone. Roy slams the door. Uh and Trent is confused here, Coach. What is what is this is
0: all new for Trent. What does he say? Oh, uh, what what's going on? What what what's the Diamond Dogs?
1: It's a living fucking nightmare. <laughs> uh the Diamond Dogs are a group of men committed to supporting each other by sharing the most intimate thoughts, feelings, and experiences. Says Beard, are you in or out. Oh, uh oh, I'm I'm in. Uh Roy God damn it! Yeah, Roy's <laughs> banging on his desk, screaming. Beard says, Roy chose out. Yeah, I assumed. Uh, Now, Higgins comes blasting in, panting, about to give himself a heart attack, says, sorry, I I came as fast as I could. Beard says, take your time. Ted says, hey, we appreciate your expediency. Uh, Higgins says, oh, I got a bit lightheaded. He's trying to get his balance back. Okay, I'm okay. Beard says, first order of business, new member. They all bark. And Trent waves awkwardly. <laughs> he doesn't know really what's going on still. Um, uh, Beard says, Coach, you have the floor. Uh, to which Ted says, Dr. Jacob and Michelle are getting engaged. And Higgins says, oh, it's a hard moment when an ex moves on. Ted says, hmm. Uh, Higgins says, did he at least ask your permission? And uh, what does Ted say here, boss?
2: Well, I'm her ex-husband, not her current father. So, no, he, uh, no. <laughs>
0: Hagen says, uh, "I love that line." By the way, yes. I laughed out loud on that line. Yeah, that was good. That's great. Uh,
1: Beard says, "How do you f- how'd you find out?" And he says, "He took her to Paris. Can you believe that?" And Roy said, "Like there's just this moment." And Roy calls from the other room, "Coach, what does he yell?" That's, That's it. it. And Beard says, "Unbelievable." Ted says, "What?" And Hagen says, "Ted, I ran down the stairs for this and up some other stairs. Like I'm gonna." That have-
0: made me laugh. Also, I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have leg cramps in my sleep tonight. Like Ted says, "Oh, okay. Hold, hold on a sec. Now Th- this is happening. All right, my man took Michelle to Paris on a surprise trip. Why, why else would he do that?" And Trent says, "What here, Coach?
0: Can I just talk whenever?"
1: To which the response is like,
0: "Well, he's right, Ted. You can't worry about something that hasn't happened yet."
1: Right, and so now Higgins says, "Ooh, what he said. If anything, you should find out before you flip out." To which Beard immediately points full arm to Higgy baby, and then Trent also joins him, and they're both pointing to Higgins. Ted says, "Mmm, f- find out before you flip out, huh? Yeah, okay, yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Of course, of course. Thank you. Hey, uh, uh, okay. So in this moment, Ted is saying thank you, and he says he's okay, but he's not okay." and he, and this was right. not closure for him and i thought this right. was interesting in that the, the the whole point of the diamond dogs is to help you figure things out wasn't it very god complexy and superior of ted lasso to listen to what everybody said and then still not find a way to be okay to accept it and and it's because even someone as like roy has benefited from this or, you know, well, no, not necessarily specifically Roy from the Diamond Dogs, but like Nate, Higgins, beer, like, you know, they've all had their moments <laughs> where they've sort of, it's been enough for them. And this was not enough for, t- he didn't have closure here.
0: I, I hear you. I guess I also feel like this is a biggin. I mean, if if that's really what you're feeling in that moment, my, my ex is off to Paris to be proposed to in the way I couldn't afford. Um... I could see how, like, it's not like, you know what, you guys are right. Let's get to practice. You know what I mean? Like, I think I hear what you're saying, and he probably could have soaked it in a little bit more. Um, Also, the thing that he's not being is present. I mean, another way to say find out before you flip out is be present. So he got caught looking back for over a season, and now he's looking forward and tripping himself up, but it's all about being present.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the now is a gift. That's why they call it it the present, Coach. There you go.
2: No, I think that that's an excellent point. He's not focusing on – well, I think the issue for him is that in the present, in this immediate moment, there is a chance that his ex-wife could get married to somebody else. So that reality has already come to pass. Like the Mm -hmm. possibility of that That being a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just the fact that it is something that might happen means – things are different for him now. So I think he's actually dealing with the fact that she could go and get engaged to somebody else and there's nothing he could do about it. Not that he could. I mean, things have changed for him because he had the realization that that could be possible.
1: But isn't this a failing of the diamond dogs in that he very clearly is not satisfied, but also that no one has the wherewithal or foresight or, uh, I, uh, EQ in this moment to say, Wait a second, Ted. Are you – is the problem that you're waiting to get back to – you're deluded enough or, or you're laboring under the false pretense that you and Michelle are ultimately going to get back together? Because otherwise – what? like why is this a present concern for you? Are you still holding – like there was no depth to the um, to the analysis in the same way that I think Ted provides for other people. Um, you know, it's like the note behind the note or you know, a mm. good idea hiding behind a couple of bad ones. Like where what is really behind this is Ted is freaking out about the finality of Michelle is gonna be gone, right? Isn't that what the what's behind this?
2: Yeah, I think that if you were being a little more honest about it, he would be willing it be able to say that. I think a larger issue with that is there's not a lot of advice to be given like in that case, if you said to Ted, well, you need to get over your ex-wife. Like she is involved with somebody else. You are not together. It does not appear that you will be reconciling. Definitely. It's time to move on. But them saying that to him won't make it happen. That doesn't make it true. It. it if they pointed it out to him, he might have some additional insight into that. But it feels like because he wants to be in a place where there's a possibility that he and Michelle get back together, just them pointing that out isn't going to be very effective. No,
1: certainly. But maybe it'll maybe it'll spur some healing or maybe it'll spur some thought, some consideration. Um, sometimes you, something is so obvious to everyone else. One thing, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this on um, – on uh on previous episodes but uh, on season one i think i talked about it but sometimes when i'm making a decision with juliana i will sit back she's she's about i don't know 30 or 40 times smarter than i am and so but she is very she's like one of those analysis paralysis people where she just really does her homework and i, I wouldn't say she gets paralyzed by it but um, we have a really good working relationship in that i will listen to the analysis And then she really appreciates when I'm just a stupid stone golem. (laughs) And I go, we're going to do it then. And I just just kick the door open. Um, But one of the funny things with her analysis is you listen to it. And then you realize you made your decision a week ago. You just don't know it yet. You can't hear that the decision has been made. Yes. So it's simple for me because I'm like I already know. I have every single you know angle on this. Um, and sometimes with like with a situation like this with Ted, you go, Hey man, like you're still pining away from Michelle. Like what's what's behind that? Let's let's unpack this a little bit. Um, and I specifically chose unpack because I remember how happy it makes Coach when he first uh, met when Ted first met Rebecca and used that that <laughs> verb. Coach was like, "God damn, what's this show? What is this?"
0: <laughs> oh, it's so great! And if not, I can't wait to unpack that with
1: you. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Anyway, uh, Ted is not uh, satisfied. I'm just pointing that out. Um. He says, Roy, you got anything you want to talk about? And what does Roy say, Coach? Fuck you. Yep. Uh, true to form. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, then Diamond Dogs. Disper- uh, he actually says, anybody else got something? I skipped over that. Anybody else got a- got something? He asks everybody. No one's got anything. Then he asks Roy. He gets a fuck you. All right. Well, Diamond Dogs disperse then. They all howl. And then Trent says, what, uh, uh, boss? Woof does like a little cute like little one woof. and i was like oh that's cute uh, then i then i got into i started thinking like oh yeah if they all got to personify themselves as different types of dog." i was making fun of coach yesterday on the phone i was talking to coach <laughs> and this is a true story i called him up um and he was like, if you're gonna hear some soothing dog music behind me. I'm like, what the fuck are we talking? Now we've we've talked about it in in on other episodes, I know, but for those of you who are new to the the podcast, uh coach used to be mortally terrified of all dogs, like all dogs. And I used to have a 100%. big ass 120-pound German shepherd named Zuka. Um because I have a just a remarkably small penis, so I just got a giant mean <laughs> dog. To con- <laughs> it's just my Porsche. That's all it is. Um, no, no, Zook was uh, the best boy in the world. He was great. Um, I didn't actually choose him. Uh, he was he was a sort of a. Uh, it's a long story, but anyway, best dog in the world. I had him for 15 years and haven't had a dog since because I don't know if I can cope with the amount of loss I felt, but. In the old days, uh, when I met Coach 25 or plus years ago, he was so scared of dogs and he couldn't function. And Zuka helped uh, his proximity to Zuka and feeding Zuka for the first time with a trembling hand and Zuka gently Mm -hmm. taking a little dog treat out of his hand started something that has now become me not having a dog uh, years later. And Coach... I'm calling him up, and he is so in love with Biggie Smalls that he's got, like, <laughs> soothing dog music on in the background. And this is real. This is <sighs> real. This is really his life. And I just can't. I'm like, I never. there are a lot of things I could have predicted in this world. And never in a billion years would I have thought he would become. And, and then he, th- he told me, you know, I just realized. Uh, I- oh, Coach, you say
0: it. You say it. You're going to say it better I than say, I-, I-, I'm, I'm, I realize I'm a little dog guy. Like I kept, I thought because when we got the first dog, you know, whatever it was, and now we've got Biggie, and I'm like, you know, I pick him up, and he wants to swim, and I was like, I think this is like kind of my deal. Like I, you know, I like, I'll, I'll protect your little buddy, and I pick him up, we go, we, you know, whatever. I'm training him, do his little tricks, and I, and I think, yeah, I think I'm just a little dog guy. He's not ten pounds yet. and I don't know if he'll ever be ten pounds. He sure eats. But he still was eight pounds last time we took him to a vet. So there you go. It's so funny. It's so funny. He's so small. And, no, and he
1: just owns Coach. It's so beautiful.
0: 100%. He just like yells at me for two seconds. I rearrange my whole office so that he can sit on my lap like he wants. Meanwhile, I'm
1: the guy who I'll get down on all fours with a big dog and I'll put my forehead into his forehead and I'll like grab his front paw to just like, I love when a dog looks at you like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> like,
0: like, and, they, and they, they realize that you're
1: there to play, and they're like, Oh, we're are we buddies. The tail starts wagging, you know. You shove them around, and you, oh my God, it gets so, so, so exciting. Um, and so, like, I think I'm just naturally sort of a big dog kind of guy. Um, it was weird. It's anytime there's personification or animal connections, I heard something uh, two days ago. I've been, I, I told the listeners how I've been getting ready for my daughter's uh, my daughter's uh, graduation party and I've done a ton of work on the house and I have this, this uh, painter that's been helping me. um, And then that's my neighbor is a plumber. And so the weirdest thing happened the other day, I was picking up some lumber and I heard that these tradesmen who kind of know each other from other jobs, the the carpenter and the, I'm sorry, the painter and the plumber, they had worked together 10 or 12 years ago. So they were kind of catching up and I was walking by with some some lumber on my shoulder, and I heard one of them say, "Look at this guy; he's a fucking bull." <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy goes, "Yeah, he is. A, he is a bull. He's a bull." And I was like, "I am being <laughs> – I'm like, how do I feel about this? Like,
0: am I uh, like okay? Like, I'm a. Bull. It's such a weird thing when people, you know, like that's yeah. uh, you know, it's a funny. Th- yeah, that, there is a." I don't know. I, well, I shouldn't say because I'm not necessarily in on conversations where women would do anything nearly equivalent. But I do feel like there's a guy component. Like, as a coach, I've I've said to somebody, like, listen, if he's got the horses, I might win. But if I got the horses, I'm definitely going to win. Right. Right. But, like, the horses. Like, like, what are you talking about? What do you mean the horses? But it just, yeah. Like, I don't know where this language started or whatever. But, yeah, it's a thing. That's funny. I totally see the bull thing for you. That's very funny.
1: Isn't that funny? Yeah, I thought you'd like that because they they meant it and they were just looking at me like Mark. I guess I was carrying a lot of lumber. I'm I'm strong as hell. Uh, I can punch a hole in a double decker bus, but uh, but I can't, I can't <laughs> run twenty feet. But but uh, but yeah, no, it's a it's a it's it was just weird to be to have someone else pick what animal you are. You know what I mean? Like uh, mm-hmm. overhearing it. Um, Anyway, uh, this is a Ted Lasso podcast. So, uh, we're going to get back to Trent, uh, saying woof. And that was what I, what started this whole thing. He's like, woof. This is just like sweet little thing. And I was like, Oh, Trent's a little dog guy, like coach. He's just like a huge wants, mm-hmm. he just wants love. Um, now we cut to, uh, the West Ham shield, mighty West Ham. Um, and, um, we, it's just a, a, a shot where we descend from the shield to a terrified Roger. If you remember, uh, how do we know Roger at this point? It's so hard to remember what we've seen.
0: I believe he came to the door and said something to Nate after the first match. And Nate like told him to go away or to get out or something. Right. Like that. Yes. Yep. That was it. Like Just leave. Yeah.
1: Nate was, was lovely to him. Um, Roger says, am I in trouble? No, no, nothing like that. Nate is sitting behind his desk. Uh, no, no, no. I promise. Um, and roger's obviously terrified of nate um and then who walks in boss disco disco walks in he says i'm sorry i'm late nate says no that's okay uh thank you for coming just take a seat thank you we're just waiting on one more so roger moves over from the center of the couch it's like a love seat two-seater um and disco sits next to him just waiting for one more there's awkward silence uh Disco uh, clears his throat, wondering what's going on, to which Roger asks, instead of, am I in trouble? Now Roger asks, what, boss? Are we in trouble? Nate's like, no, nobody's in trouble. I just, well, you know what? I, uh, I don't want to say till everyone's here, so I'll call. It's fine. I'll call. So we're, f- we're trying to find out who, who is missing. Um, and so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Coach? <laughs> listen this is this is such a difficult episode for the writers difficult for everyone because again these are these are scenes that are nearly impossible to pull off as a writer um hard to act hard to write um hard to keep uh the attention i mean we haven't seen except for the opening montage we're not directly in the afc richmond universe right right now we're sort of in the in the outer rim um but he says, I'll call and coach walk us through this, please.
0: So, uh, yeah, so we hear he puts it on speaker because that was a good move. Uh, and then he said, and then Miss Cakes answers, Hello, Coach Shelley. Oh, hello, um, Miss Cakes. Um, I just wondered if uh, if Rupert was on his way to my office for our special meeting. He's very excited. Uh, he uh, gives a little chuckle. Uh, no, he's not coming to that. I mean. He he said that he would. So I mean, is he busy? No, click. <laughs> wow, ouch. I mean, you talk about no respect. Yeah, no, boss. click. Boss, what do you think of this?
2: I just it, you can't see it because of the video, but I had just my uh, face in my hands. It's so awkward and un- uncomfortable. I hate everything about it. It's weird enough that he called them to his office to have this discussion. Like I, we talked about it in the deep dive in the uh, rapid response, but like not understanding the difference between having an office that's opening enough, open enough that people would stop by and want to come talk and hang out. And that Higgins would be down there anyway. And then you could start talking about the diamond dogs because you are in the room together. Whereas this is what happens when you try to force it, when you, invite people in one at a time in order to have a special meeting because you were using your position of authority over them to make them come. And of course to your boss, the owner isn't going to come down to whatever meeting this is because he doesn't have to listen to you and you aren't setting up a situation where people are coming to talk. You are making them come talk to you. And then it's awkward as shit.
1: Yes. We're uh,
0: all going to be friends now.
1: Yeah. When you haven't built that with a thousand upon a thousand micro Uh, interactions you know yeah it's it's funny the guy that we were talking about earlier timmy um we worked together and i would bring in stuff. he likes to fidget and i knew that so i would have my desk uh like it was right by the corner of my desk where my door was i had an office and he was in the cube farm but he would walk by all the time and i would anytime i saw something that i thought he might fidget with like one of my really good ones was a really long bolt with a nut on the end and it was like probably, I don't know, like a – yeah, yeah, coach is making the – that's exactly right. So I just brought it in, and it was like a re- nice, clean, new bolt with a nut on it. And I I, I just stuck – I stood it straight up on the corner of my desk, and Timmy comes walking by. It's like calling – it's like caffeine. He just smells it. He's like, what? It's, it comes in and starts talking and uh, spinning the nut. But that's that's the – you know, you build a, a relationship, a workplace like that with that type of culture. Yeah, people walk in and they feel welcome and um, they feel invited. This is a scene where I mentioned and I think I mentioned this in the rapid reaction, where very, very rare instance of of me as a diehard beloved Ted Lasso truther and, and a acolyte for the, for the lasso way uh, saying, yeah, I don't fucking buy this at all. I just don't, it's too, it's too, how ludicrously out of touch do you have to be to think Rupert Mannion would, would take any like, and, and and so, okay, I will, I will go along with it because this is the, uh, this is the show. This is what we do, but this one was tough. This, this, Push the edges of credibility for me. Um, And uh, yeah, Rupert, Rupert doesn't, go ahead. Sorry, coach.
0: No, 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 not at all. Sorry. I was going to jump in as we were going through this and just sort of backtracking through these, this series of semi painful to painful uh, moments, like actually for the characters as well. I think this whole, well, to this point, at least this, this episode is about, Who's out of position and everything in total football is about, you know, somebody moves, we go in like, like it's yes, it's positionalist, but that doesn't, it's not chaos. And, and, and right now it feels like nobody's quite where they're supposed to be. Right. You know, like. Nate's taking a crap next door, then he's whatever calling Rupert to his office. Like, let's say Rupert did show up. Like the best thing that ever happened to him is R- Rupert didn't show up. He he was gonna sit in a room with Rupert Mannion and suggest that they become a group of guys who meet semi-regularly under the name Lovehounds to discuss their emotional lives. What?
2: Yeah. What? So the the idea of people not being where they should be or things being off a little bit, I all of a sudden got a a flash of Groundhog Day. So because later in the movie he has the one perfect day with Andy McDowell and everything goes right and it's all sort of naturally that like all of a sudden they're in a snowball fight and everything ends up being perfect. And then the following day he tries to recreate it and it's so awkward and off putting because he's trying too hard. It, nothing is coming organically, and she is. Hey, like, hey, there's some kids. Out. Let's have let's
1: have a snowball fight with them. Hey, hey, yeah. and then he and he lays down yeah. in the snow next to her with that weird uh, manic energy. And yeah, yeah, I remember the whole yes. thing. Yeah, it was amazing.
2: And that like th- that is this for me. That like you just had the diamond dogs and things were like coming together and gelling effortlessly almost because of all of the past effort, of course. And then this where it's like you're doing everything wrong, everything all wrong.
1: I I love you're you're really summing this whole thing up, Coach. I love that you're making it a total football thing. It's exactly what Boss was saying earlier when she, when she was like, "Listen, just if you have a woman in your life that's going, or a man doesn't matter, like whatever, but it just happens to be that there's the women take a disproportionate amount of the uh, home 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 side work um, that you know jump in and and, and help." And that just, that's just all about being in sync. If you can anticipate what your partner needs and then get there before your partner does so that when your partner shows up and goes, God damn, this is done, like stem to stern, like this whole fucking thing is done, it is, it is so rewarding as a partner and, and in a relationship. And when you can get to that point and it goes both ways, that is really, uh, really wonderful. Um, and you're right, Coach, to point out that is exactly what is not happening here at West Ham. Um, yeah, we get the, oh boy, this is rough. Just the intro of Nate sitting on his desk. It's fine. Don't worry. I guess it's just us then for the very first meeting of the drum roll, please. Like they're looking at him like he's crazy. Like disco, we find out disco, like when they first intro disco, my reaction to him was Oh, just because my name is disco doesn't I mean I like to party. I was like, okay, what is that? But is he going to be fun? They chose the new disco for him. I'm like, okay, maybe he'll be fun. But he is like, he is grosser than gross. <laughs> like he is yeah. really unlikable. Um, uh, love hounds, he, and then he howls. Well, that's so, I'm like, what? It's like a really bad uh English office episode if you watch the David Brent character <laughs> where you're just like your stomach mm-hmm. tightens uh it was Ricky Gervais yeah. in that role um before it was uh brought to America
0: and uh, and uh, oh you guys in were- the prequel Yeah yeah oh, no wait it wasn't prequel yeah, yeah. was it prequel it was like you made Yeah a- that that's what Ted said he goes oh yeah i forgot y'all had a prequel Was that the, was that the term or was it something else it was prequel I, I thought I he made so. up a word ah shit
1: Okay yeah okay prequel we'll go with that shit Shit. Damn it. I thought he I thought he made up I could have sworn in that situation he made up a new word like, oh yeah, y'all made a I guess it was pre prequel. I guess I guess it was. Yeah. Anyway. God damn it. Um anyway, it was that type of torturous cringe here where you go, Oh god, this is so so rough to watch. I thought that we men could Did you look it up, Oz? Did you see what it was?
2: It, it, no, I'm not finding it yet, but I'm still on it.
1: All right. I thought that we men could get together whenever we need. I, not that I doubt you, Coach. I, I just thought he made up a new a new term for it. I thought- Oh, he, no. I
0: mean, he 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 may have. I mean, I, that was just how I remembered it, but we'll find out. Yeah, no, no. I, we're just going to go with your, your definition.
1: Um, I thought that we men could get together whenever we needed, every now and then and talk and help each other out about how things are going in our personal lives. Uh, and Roger says, oh, okay. Well, I'd love to talk about the stresses of taking care of my aging parents. To which Nate says, what, boss?
2: Uh, He says, yeah, I'll start. Um, So I've started seeing this girl and it's going really well and uh, she's great, but um, she's hesitant to label our relationship. And I don't know whether to give her space or whether to let her know how strongly I feel about us being together. Disco, would you, do you got any thoughts or?
1: Right. And Disco says, uh, he is so, what a what a um,
0: deeply emotional man, Coach. Tell,
1: <laughs> tell us what Disco says.
0: I've been divorced three times. Never let them know how you feel. It's very expensive.
1: Okay. And then he uh, he looks over at Roger, and what has Roger said, Coach?
0: Okay. I, I re- read this book that said, if you like a woman, you should insult her, which – Oh, my God. And and, and I, because that book's out there. That's the thing. No, no, that's a, thing. You know, that's yeah, a real book. Yeah, I remember this. It's
1: called Negging. And it's is a, that what it is? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah.
0: I was trying mm-hmm. to remember. But I was like, that. I know that exists because I remember hearing about this and going, like, sweet, Jesus, um, Coach, some of our friends yeah.
1: in our friend group read it. And, I've tried and I, it. I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? Like are you? they're like, well, this is actually kind of interesting about because they're like wh- oh, one Jesus. of them is like uh, interested about like the one of them is a formulaic type of person who tries who wants to figure out the code the hidden code to everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, he's that. Yeah. And then another one is like um Sort of, sort of a little spectrum And so humans can be a little confusing. So it's like, oh, this is a formula. This is like a, this is just like mm-hmm. a way you do now it. Now I understand. This works. Now I, yeah, because it was written in a very uh, convincing way and written by this one guy. Oh God, it was such a gross, so gross. That's, My God. It would talk about like how to have flair on your body, like almost like TGI Friday uh, stuff. So it would be like, this is how you peacock. So that you show women, you know, get their notice to them. I mean, it was like, whatever. Um, and Nothing. Was, was I embarrassed that I wrote that book? Yes, but <laughs> but it but it got me paid. <laughs> no, it was so gross. It was so gross, and I knew the guy who was attached to make a movie about it. Uh, oh, really? And I was like, Jesus so I was like, wait, are you sure you want this on? I, I I remember telling him, I don't think this is. I don't think this will be viewed very well, like in. Five or ten years, like I don't think like people look back and be like, "This was a really great concept to have on your resume." So anyway, I I thought, uh, but that was a real thing. It was terrible and awful, and I'm glad it uh, it vanished. But poor Roger, someone, it makes sense that someone, someone like Roger, who seems to be a little bit on the outside and trying to figure things out, might might think it's
0: uh, cardinal law. And 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 I, it's interesting too in that. It's it's what we've said about the show, right? I mean, the the sort of ongoing conversation where we're sort of sorting out, well, is this revolutionary or is this new or is this not new or is this whatever? We have been at the very least aware of, even when we've chosen not to consume it, a pretty steady diet of versions of if you like a woman, you should insult her. It's taken different forms. It's not always quite that like yikes, flashing lights. But I feel like I've been given over the course of my life, a, a, an unbelievable amount of horrific advice, just like looking back and, and also thinking about who I was listening to. Like, would I want my life to turn out like him? No, but he was outside on the block at the same time I was, and he was older than me. So I listened and, and you know, so it's, it's, yeah, the the world is not filled with diamond dog opportunities. It's just not <laughs> on the block,
1: yeah. Jenny from the block. You, you're just like, hey man, <laughs> um, <laughs> hey hey older. When father. I, I can't. What, what did he tell you? Tell us tell what. Tell us. I what mean, advice. I mean,
0: I'm trying. I mean, this is sort of low, but like I remember talking to like girls walking by. And I just started doing it because the older guys did it. So how else was I going to show that I was one of the guys? And so I talked to, like, I wouldn't say nasty shit or whatever, but I'm like, she's minding her motherfucking business, going to the store, going about her business. You know what want Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? But now she's talking to you, and I'll never forget, one of my buddies, and I I thought it was bold what he did it, but yikes, he decided to put his arm around. And she was, I mean, she was at the very least, like, early 20s. Like, she was, like older than older than us and he decided to get off this car and go put his arm around her and say whatever he said he got slapped and i remember us all just being like oh you know what i mean and you know he and looking back i'm like thank god like in a way that woman probably saved him and the rest of us just a little bit because we were like at least we know that is an option and not everybody is here for this bullshit yeah
2: Yeah, no, bless her for that. Yeah. Bless her for her actions. She did a service for all uh, mankind that day. Um, One other quick thing I wanted to say about this is it's it's not that I feel bad for Nate in this situation. It's just that he was so excited about the love hounds, forgetting that he and the rest of the group came up with the Diamond Dogs together, and also that this new group doesn't know – that the Diamond Dogs was a thing, so they have no idea how clever it is that he had this play on those words. Like all of it is just all of it, all of it ro- right. They it wouldn't know,
0: right they wouldn't know that they love Hound know. is riffing
2: off diamond dogs. Right, right. But right. but he also
0: doesn't get I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, boss.
2: No, no, no. That, that, only that and also that um disco's Disco considers himself an expert because he's been divorced three times. Isn't he doesn't amazing? say I got three women to marry me, and this is how you treat them well. He was like, don't tell them anything. Divorce is expensive.
0: Yeah. It's a pretty amazing stance to take to to establish his authority on the subject. Um, But I think Nate still, like, yes, he doesn't get it in that you can't just, like, summon people to your office and decide, yeah, now we're going to all, you know, open up about our deepest feelings. But guess what? Roger was down. Roger was like, Phew, what a relief, because I've been carrying this thing around about my parents. And Nate so doesn't get it. He's still me, 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 me. Yes. Yeah. Because
2: he's no, still waiting.
0: Yeah. There's no play through me. This all right. play to me. It's about yes. me and my situation. And if they solved it fast enough, I, I think he I think he still wouldn't let Roger speak to what was bothering him. No, because
2: he doesn't want to be in a group that Roger belongs to. Like, he had to invite Roger because he didn't have enough guys to invite to Diamond Dogs. But he doesn't want to have a friendship with Roger. That was just a body in the room. Wow.
0: You're right. People as props.
2: uh, Also, the term that Ted came up with was a pre-make.
0: Yes!
1: Uh, yes! Uh, nice. They did a pre-make. Uh, yeah. I right. knew it was something. There you go. Pre-make. Yeah, you guys did a pre-make instead of a remake. Oh, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm glad that we've all uh, uh, sort of agreed on the validation of a one-size-fits-all um, operating manual for how to woo women. And uh, I think I think we can all agree that that's uh, something that exists um, and is a pretty, pretty good idea. Um, OK, so uh, I think I think the thing that, that actually as we move on, Nate says, OK, this meeting over, and it'll probably never happen again. I actually found myself. Really liking Roger in this thing and the fact that he got shut down.
0: Yeah, he's it, my favorite person at West Ham.
1: Yeah, it made it much worse that. How Nate shut him down and, and the manner in which he did it, and it was just like him ignoring the woman on the escalator who was like, good morning, Coach Shelley, and he just went by. And I'm like, you know, you're – he did so much more damage to the character in my eyes than I think that the writing staff realized. I think they thought, oh, this will yeah. be funny. Like, maybe – Sometimes this is the thing. with sometimes, like you're on a writing staff, and you don't. It's it's not like the humor doesn't. Like, okay, boss talks about no, no, no. Coach is the one who talks about on this show. Some people say fuck my kids or my fucking kids are driving me crazy, and other people won't. So I understand some people do that. I'm not one of the people that that does it. I don't find it. You know, whatever. I don't find a tremendous amount of comedy in it. Um, and so in this moment when you have like. Someone in the room was like, oh, my God, my annoying cousin Larry is always talking about taking care of his parents. So in his world, that is annoying and comedy worthy or something like that. Right. And then you get in this world or the real world where we listen and we go, well, this guy seems like a kind of a peach. And all he's ever been is nice to everybody that I've seen. And like, you're going to shut him down like that. It really hurt the Nathan Shelley character. More so than I think the show anticipated. And Coach has talked about you would not believe when he's talking about Dinner for Two and he's talking about some of the other shows he's worked on. You would not believe how fast you can lose an audience. And as much as we try to stay with it and in the writers we trust and, uh, and and the whole sort of we we love Ted Lasso and we want to be part of this and we want to like be in sync for lack of a better term th- with what they're trying to put a, throw out there. Uh, rather than criti- critiquing it or criticizing it, I think there was a, uh, a disconnect between the, the what I think they rec- they thought was the comedy of that moment and what we as a viewing audience recognize as cruelty, uh, inherent cruelty in Nate.
0: I, I, you know, it's interesting in a, in a broader way. I mean, it's hard to say what they knew, what they didn't know. I would wonder if there's a bigger point to be made around that. In terms of the entire Nate turn, what he did was so fucking awful that I think they may have underestimated that, like, he was maybe, I mean, maybe not just Jake level in that, like, I never really liked Jake anyway, so fuck that guy, but, like, I didn't have a good feeling. And we talked about it through the earlier part of the season where it felt like there were these moments with Nate where I was supposed to be like, hey, it's good old Nate. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just wasn't there. So part of what I think misses here also is there's a glimpse of him trying to get back to the Diamond Dogs, right? So you think, oh, he's starting to get it. But now here he doesn't have it. He's going to create it. And then instead of creating it, he makes the entire thing about himself. So you're like, oh, yes. he didn't learn anything. Yeah. He doesn't understand. I, I, feel,
2: I, I feel like especially this far into the series on the whole. Like, we're in the eighth episode of a 12-episode yes. season.
1: Yes, yes, boss. Preach. We, we I know what very, you're going to say. <laughs> I love it. We
2: are so far in. And not only do we still have Nate wanting Rupert's affection and mm. a, endorsement and acceptance and everything else we he is still s- like socially climbing it, it, because he wants the guy in charge to like him and he is shitting on the guy that he can't so he's treating roger like shit the same mm-hmm. way that he treated will like shit or mm-hmm. Colin like shit or whoever else and the fact that there is almost no indication so far that he has changed his mind on either one of those characters makes me feel like he isn't really learning anything Like, if we had another scene where he realized that Roger was actually a really good dude and that he should have been listening to Roger about Roger's parents, that would have been one thing. If we had seen him become disillusioned with Rupert because Rupert was cheating on his new wife, that would have been one thing. But he's already seen that and we never come back to Roger. This is like, this is not growth. This is him doing it in a doing the same thing that he's always done in a different way in order to figure out how he can become toxically masculine in this new
1: field yeah very very he's, the fact that he's punching down in episode eight y- you feel like by now he has to be on the road back just trajectory wise he's got to be coming back in order to make it feel like he's earning it um and because he isn't that's that's that that's where the disconnect is for at least those of us on this podcast um and coach is man, coach will coach will He'll, he'll he'll bloody his knuckles defending this show, but <laughs> the, the Nate the Nate subplot let, left him a little cold uh, yeah. in season three.
0: Well, I think we want him to earn it. I mean, I think that's just a thing, right? I mean, we just when we watch stories, we want him to earn it. Um, yeah, so that 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 was the big thing for me. Is I think you nailed that, boss. That the two th- one of the two things i think we needed to see a little bit more of a glimpse of i get that just gathering them and suggesting that this was possible was supposed to be this moment but to me it seemed more like um let's say somebody cheats let's say you had a, a a male character you know sort of traditional hetero love story whatever and the male character cheats on his wife And then he's like, with the girlfriend now, because he got booted, and he's like, what? You don't know how to make meatloaf? I sure miss a good hot meal. Like, well, I mean, if all you got from this is that you're missing a good hot meal, then you still don't get anything. Yes.
2: No, absolutely. He is not understanding the deeper connections to other people. He's thinking, why don't I have a room of guys to talk to anymore?
1: Right because i deserve that i'm special um one other thing before i know yeah, boss just rolled (laughs) the face if you guys can see the faces boss is making one other tiny little nitpicky thing is uh as he dismisses the team uh, dismisses you know this the love the once and and former love hounds uh he says thank you for coming thank you both roger says are we in trouble now and roger's level of anxiety parallels nate's original mm. level of anxiety and nate is so locked up in his own shit because rod roger's still just waiting for that other shooter to drop he's just like he's very similar to nate That's anxiety clearly, wise clearly right? right and he still doesn't even like so in that way it's even more confounding that he doesn't re- he's so closed off and so self-centered and when you see this like that's on the on the way out the door. We've already seen him be cruel and shut Roger down and Roger was had this little glimmer of hope like man, yeah, I actually would be really into this. This is like a I would love that. Uh you know, I'm I'm probably you, you wonder what Roger's daily existence is like at West Ham and you know, he probably doesn't have any of that. And so there's this glimmer of hope, which is what kills you, coach. And then he gets stomped on and then kicked in the ass on the way out as he shows, Hey, you know what? Like, are we or now is now the trouble time? Because I know I was sure I was in trouble before, then I was sure we were in trouble. And now it seems like actually like validated that we're actually in trouble.
2: Yes. <laughs> So I think you're right in talking about his anxiety level. It is very similar to Nate's, but it's also extremely similar to Higgins when Higgins was working under Rupert, what we imagined him to be. Mm. Because Rupert says he used to chew on the pen caps the whole time. Right. Yes. So I imagine that this is the West Ham Higgins who, you know, has all sort of family troubles, can't talk about it because his boss is a dick, and now is in trouble with the coach all the time.
1: We should make a little short film, the three of us, where Dan and Roger uh, have a little- Yeah. <laughs> we get yes. to see, we get to fill in some blanks, a little fan service, because uh, they're both guys that seem lovely that we really didn't get a get a whole look at.
0: Um, go ahead, Coach. Uh, this jumps out to me in all this talk about man- manliness and manhood and all this, you know, throughout the show and the bad dads. Anxious is not a thing a guy is supposed to be. And I say that with some, as someone who is, I think I've shared, has watched the walls of a room close in on him. Um, and I actually just recently was having a conversation where it came to me like my whole life, I wanted to be powerful and powerful people don't get scared. So every time I got scared, I felt ashamed of even just being afraid. Like even if I did the thing anyway, the fact that I was scared at any point in it was like a, a serious demerit. Like in my experience of things. So I think it's interesting that that particular trait is highlighted in specific men and they, and they are kind of, if not comic relief, something close to it in a lot of scenes for that anxiety. I don't think the show overall is saying that, but I think we're able to get to the laughs the way we do because the idea of a guy being so nervous that like he shows up to work and he just keeps asking if he's in trouble. I think there's something that we go, ah, ha, ha, ha. He's not a man. He's not manly.
2: Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. It's not a masculine trait. It's not a manly trait. It's not supposed to be at least. Um, I think it's really interesting that it feels like Jason Sudeikis has worked so much of the panic attacks and Ted's anxiety Mm -hmm. and everything else that goes along with that. Um, I'm also thinking a lot about um, Bill Hader and his show Barry. And Bill Hader has spoken a lot about his own anxiety and how he felt sick every Saturday night on Saturday Night Live, no matter how many years he'd been there, um, and how his character Barry has unprocessed anxiety and feels terrible all the time. And, you know, Ted Lasso and Barry are extremely different people, but the fact that those are both sort of deal with or born out of this anxiety that is untreated and un- Acknowledge for a lot of men is a really good point too. Like, it leads to a lot of bad shit if you don't get it
0: under control. Absolutely.
1: Well, luckily, uh, uh, masculinity has has triumphed. Um, I, I would like to. Mm-hmm, I harken mm-hmm, mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. to those pre-battle fight scenes in Braveheart, where you have William Wallace just telling everybody they're going to go run at a bunch of psychos of swords, and of course, you have the anxious person in the crowd yelling. Is this a really good idea though? Of course I'm obviously,
0: you know, obviously. I was like you must have seen the extended cut. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't I mean, remember don't, that at all. We just
1: don't get enough of that. Like all the iconography and all of the uh imagery of man yeah, run right into the jaws of death. Like, are you fucking crazy? Can we go over the strategy one more time, please?
0: <laughs> what one moment that I thought that actually, I was in on the movie because of this. Very quickly was uh Saving Private Ryan when somebody pissed themselves, and I was like, "That's what I'm talking about." Because, come on now, you, yeah. I don't even if you're yeah. gonna run out of there and do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you cannot tell me you hear all the, that shit going on around you, and you're not like, "Oh my god, today is the day I die." Like, come on. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think uh, one of the things that's funniest to me is the way that. There are certain segments of the population, some of them are fine, some of them are not great, that um, really love Viking culture, like the idea of Viking culture. Not Sometimes it gets a little weird and white yeah. nationalistic, and we yeah. don't love that. But then even this preoccupation, um, Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite authors, and he writes a lot about Norse mythology, and that's all very cool. But when people are like, oh, the Vikings were so tough and big and bad, and they were on drugs. They were all on drugs. They were tough and big and bad and everything, but that like sort of bloodlust, hellbent nonsense that they would do before battle, they were on fucking mushrooms, and they were out of their minds and couldn't feel anything real and then would go kill people. Like it's not actually normal for any human being to be under that much stress and be that scared and be okay with it. Like you, you would be throwing up and pissing yourself. You, that you that was
0: as good as a donut wrapped up in uh Rosa Parks. Newspaper. Perfect. Was I'm awesome. so happy I could do that. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: as the only uh, Viking on the show, I will say uh-huh. that uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Vikings are often misunderstood. Uh, my my real yes. name, uh, Thor, is uh, obviously named after the uh, Norse God of Thunder. Um, and um, I will say that uh, I, I, every time you read or uh, the things that people know about Vikings are usually wrong in general like there's the whole thing about cleanliness that they had there's all thing about like uh romance there's all sorts of things have you seen the show uh norseman by the way boss
2: i think so which one is that remind me
1: it's the one where it's like very modern sensibilities they're vikings but they talk like we talk and there's a lot of anxiety and a lot (laughs) there's a lot of um uh you know sort of uh very very intelligent banter and uh it's it's fun it's it's uh, i think you might get a kick out of it
2: yeah it's a comedy though right
1: yes yeah very much yes so. okay yeah
2: yeah I, i'm gonna put that i'm on my uh on a vikings kick so i'll go ahead and put that on
1: I, I told you remember when i went to the concert with about uh the band wardruna did i tell you about this the Viking. it's like sort of old school viking music and they came to this country and uh, I took Juliana to see it and she was so scared because it was just all white supremacists. <laughs> and she was like <laughs> literally yeah. trying to make a protection circle uh, from the, from like, she was calling on the spirits of her dead Irish relatives to be like, protect me from this fucking nightmare. Yes. It was really scary for her. Uh, for me, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I mean, you know, yeah. but then again, you know, I look like a disgruntled stevedore. So I fit right in to the, uh, <laughs> To the to the Viking vibe there. Um. Anyway, uh, getting back to Ted Lasso, um, we did, uh, we did have some, uh, you know, this moment where uh, Rod he uh, Nate asked Roger to just go like just just go, reminiscent of him dismissing Roger in the very beginning there, uh, when he poked his head in. Um. He says it's all right, and now we cut to um. Ted, who is still not, uh, he's not thrilled about, um, remember he still needs some closure. He doesn't have it yet. And so he walks into Rebecca's office and, uh, can you walk us through this boss?
2: For sure. Uh, says, Hey boss. And she says, morning, Ted. And he hands her biscuits, says, here you go. And she says, ah, thank you. And he says, uh, I could use your help. And she says, of course, anything. Wait, shouldn't you be at training? And he says, yeah, but um, oh, don't worry, I've got that covered. And then outside of her window, all the players are chanting, go, 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 go with Henry as he was, I think, bouncing the ball on his knee. Yeah,
1: just, jugg- just, juggling. Alive, yeah. yeah. just juggling
2: it. Just juggling it. Yes, yes, yes. So again, uh, late stage capitalism, child labor, who knows? Now he is working in Ted's place in order to run training. That's fine. All of that is great. And she says, right, okay, then. Well, how can I help? And he says, I need to hire a private investigator. She says, why? And he says, because Dr. Jacob took Michelle to Paris, the French one, and I'm pretty sure he's going to propose. No, I got to find out if I'm right so I don't flip out when I am. And she says, Ted, people visit Paris for all kinds of reasons. And he says, yeah, like getting engaged. And she goes, no, they go there to eat amazing food. He says, after getting engaged. And she says, no, or they go to Oscar Wilde's grave. Before they get engaged, no. Or they visit the Louvre and and to make fun of all the people taking blurry pictures of overrated paintings. Mm-hmm. I've, I've of a very, speci-
1: a very specific overrated painting, yeah. A very specific. Co-
2: you know, it's overrated funny. Coach, painting, Coach just yes. made
1: this joke. The Mona Lisa, yeah. yeah, I remember Coach. You said last episode or the episode before you, like, oh, you know, most people when they see the Mona Lisa, they're like, mm, should mm-hmm. we get some lunch? Great. Yeah.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. It's very small in real life, I've heard. I've, not that I've impressive. seen it.
0: You've never been to the Louvre, huh? I'm not boss? sure we're allowed to talk no. like that at work anymore, boss. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I am I am maybe the one person that um, doesn't care about going to Paris that much. Like, I'm sh- I am hope I get enough, there uh, eventually. Not but enough
1: McDonald's there for you?
2: Not enough McDonald's. No, no, no. They, I don't know if their food is going to be any good. I, I like, will say I, I don't ha- hear anything good about it.
1: I will say this, and and then I'll leave it leave it with you uh, to figure it out on your own. As you, as you, you always always have things figured out and filtered through. However, whatever your consciousness is, but I will say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there are a lot of places in the world that get trumped up, and they say, "Oh, you know, this is worth a trip," and and. You hear about the City of Lights, and you hear about the Seine, you hear about the Champs-Elysees, and you hear about the Arc de Triomphe, and you hear about all these things. And then you say, can it be as good as what I've heard? And I would say Paris is better.
2: So this is not a knock on Paris. This is, for whatever reason, I am a contrarian, and I like underrated things. So I am trying to figure out when I can get to Estonia because that's a place that I really want to go. Actually, me too. But for yeah, whatever reason, yeah. is-
1: no, I'd like to do that. Yeah, yeah.
2: This, this Estonia, is you the know you know, thing. What,
1: you know what's real close to Estonia? There, boss.
0: Lithuania, Lithuania? yes, ma'am.
2: Lithuania, Lithuania is right there. I don't
0: know. No, but you know that we're big. We're big in Lithuania. we're huge, Lithuania. huge, huge in Lithuania. Lithuania.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but like. It, uh, Italy? I I don't know. I'm sure I'll go hopefully someday. Croatia? Croatia is where I would like to go. So I don't, I'm just, that's. It.
0: If you ever do make it to a McDonald's in Paris, you may want to order a Royale with cheese.
1: Royale with mm-hmm. cheese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yes, would. they have well, the won't. metric system there.
2: Actually, I won't though, because I uh, don't do dairy. Um. it makes my sinuses all clogged, and not that American cheese has dairy in it but I still just
1: avoid <laughs> it, it together oh, Wait, all idea. dairy you don't eat any cheese I, I
2: cheat sometimes uh, and I will have some like I will fucking eat a pizza this weekend and it'll be delicious but I don't drink cow's milk like it has the, an actual beverage and I try to avoid dairy besides that, what a, that. what a I'm fucking
0: asshole milk. I'm fully, I'm fully la I on that. I'm just being Rebecca with, yeah, yeah. with the Dr.
1: Uh, field. Yeah, what a oh, fucking... Right, 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 she right, says, right. like, she doesn't need yeah. sugar. Yeah, what a fucking... Uh, yeah, no, dairy. I'm lactose intolerant, so I avoid it. I, avoid, I avoid it when I can. Um, so this
0: is very random, but I just, it made me laugh, and I love when people are just funny in the moment. So I forget what the... My uh, child had some friends over, and they were going to get boba or something, whatever it was. And one of the uh, kids says... Uh, I can't, uh, oh, I, uh, I can't have that. It's got milk in it. And, uh, and so my child asked, wait, you're lactose intolerant. And the person said, I am when I'm at other people's house. And I, that just, (laughs) I just. I, thank you, boss. Because I just thought that was the funniest, quickest goddamn answer. And I, I you know, I try not to like be obviously in the in the um, conversation. You know, if I'm not, but I laughed out loud. I mean, I just guffawed. Like that was a very yeah. wow. quick and funny answer. I thought it was so funny. Not when I am I, when I'm at other people's house. Oh my god!
1: All right, boss. Pick it back up. Taking blurries of an overrated painting.
2: So at this point, he cuts to the chase and says, "Mm -hmm, yeah, where'd you and Rupert get to engage? And she says, it doesn't matter. He's like, aha, see, that's what I'm talking about. Right now, Dr. Romance is probably getting ready to pop the question on the top of the Eiffel Tower, the most romantic friggin' place in the world. And she says, oh, please, the Eiffel Tower is just a lamppost with a publicist.
1: That, that is a great fucking line. No, we that can talk is... about how, how how much, you yeah. know, this episode uh, mm-hmm. underwhelmed a lot of people. But that is that's a fucking funny line right there.
2: Uh, and so he finally sort of not breaks down, but he gets a little more serious, says, Rebecca, come on. I just need to know what's going on with them. Please help me. And she says, "Okay, Ted, I'll make the call." And he says, "Okay, thank you." Okay, hmm. I didn't know Oscar Wilde was dead. Some of his quotes so modern, so of our time. So, and she says, "I know, powerful."
1: Right, but she's like kind of half mm-hmm. thinking about
0: it and also yeah. half right, like, hmm, "What's going on with Ted here?" Uh, mm. And and it, it reminded me of Jamie finding out that um, George yes, Harrison was George great. Harrison. That yes. made me laugh. I, well, listen,
1: isn't it a little odd that Ted enlists Rebecca in the manner to which she had used this particular tool in her arsenal to hurt him?
0: I think who, he's not, I don't think he's got a lot of options. He knows, she knows how to do it. And he knows they're friends. Like You know what I mean? But I I mean, I I get where you're saying, like, why would you want to lean into this, obviously, negative side of things? But, you know, in the in the category of who do I know who could help me bury this body? Like, that's who you need. You need somebody who knows how to bury your body and a blood guy and a blood and a blood guy. And you need a blood guy. Obviously, Obviously you need a blood guy. There you go. One of my one of my. Go ahead, boss.
2: But I was just going to say, I, I know that we talked about this in the rapid response, but part of it was this seemed a little unhinged given that they were only going to be gone for the weekend. I feel like I understand why he he felt the need that he needed to know right away. It seemed a little unreal unrealistic that Rebecca would be able to hire a private investigator who could travel to France and find out where Michelle and Dr. Jacob were and report back before... Ted could say, like, hey, just check it in. Henry's great.
1: Well, the really big investigation agencies have people in Paris. They would just contract out locally.
2: I mean, Everybody even if that. that's the case, good Lord. God bless my life that I've never had to hire a private investigator. That says really good things about who I became after high school, because definitely there was a trajectory for me at some point where I might have been that person. <laughs>
1: Uh so so te- yes that's right. So um she decides to help him. He high fives. He heads out and he high fives the tree but it has no it's almost no like joy. sad. To, yeah, right? It's yeah. So now um we cut from I mean you feel so badly for Ted that this is like sort of what he's reduced to. Uh it just feels well, but it feels somehow beneath him and not uh necessarily in keeping with the lasso way, but you know uh those who can't do teach uh am i right coach
0: so they say so they say
1: that's not true though there are some wonderful people who do and teach um but uh in this case it just feels like god this wouldn't be the advice ted would give himself so it's a little bit disheartening and then we cut over to again you look at the just the list of the of the the scenes that we've had to deal with about Doctor <laughs> Doctor Jake, and then you go to Jack, and then you got this this horrible thing. And and again, the reason why uh, we we alluded to this, or we talked about it in the in the in the rapid response, but the reason this subplot happened was because this thing happened to writer Keely Hazel, and actress Keely Hazel in her in her life, so she had firsthand knowledge of it, and they must have decided as a show that this was. Um, Something they wanted, they wanted to tackle. And I don't begrudge them that at all. I know that it felt a little bit understanding that after this episode, there's only four left. I felt like, Oh God, why is this, is this a hundred percent necessary to bring in as a, am I invested in this at this point? Like couldn't have this, could this have been a season two thing or, you know, so I, I felt that again, with that clock ticking concept and uh, that we talked about, it, it, it did feel. Like damn, I kind of wish we didn't have to do this, but I understand why they did it.
0: I'll say that for me, I did think, I did think it was important. I thought, I thought two things. One is, I thought uh, Keeley's integrity, I thought, did hold up, and I thought that like. You know, well, the scene we're about to see, but I, I feel like seeing her face this and not to say zero doubt, but I felt like there was a clarity from her from Jump around, you know, she was the victim of something and, and now that kind of energy that, that I did like for the character. I think that both Keely and Nate had to go away and 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 come back. And so I think what 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 happens to them when they go away that makes them different when they get back. So that that might have been part of the struggle for the characters.
1: Nate, I know had to go away. Why did why do you think Keely had to go away? Well,
0: okay, through through episode eight. <laughs> but I'll say that I I think her identity would always be to a certain extent like. Or her rise would, would to a certain extent just be about the fact that like she bumped into Rebecca in the, in the loo. Right. And so I think something from the somehow her being in the world away from Rebecca and, and doing and, and succeeding moving forward brings her back in in a, in a new and different way.
2: I actually really agree with that. I feel like there is the extent to which Ted saw something in Nate that made him decide that Nate should be promoted. Correct. And Rebecca saw something in Keely that made her feel like Keely should not be somebody who was famous for being kind of famous. And so being able to pull both of those people up to respective levels where you think they should be working at, great. At some point... You do need to start proving yourself outside of that person, that that person was right about you being good at this job, not that that person's support of you is propping you up in the same job.
1: I love that you agreed with coach there, uh, boss, because I it just makes me dislike both of you at the same time. Sure. That makes sense. Um, it's so
2: easy to kill two birds when we're on the same side.
1: Yeah, I don't know no, why. Yeah, I just rash generalizations are are, are fun. Um, no, I I um I get what you're saying, Coach, and I uh I I guess I feel like if we did, if we really looked into this, like it, w- the rules for men would be very different for the for for the rules uh, than the rules for women on this show, and you know even Rebecca calls out, she's like, why men do it all the time, and then ultimately. If, if the, if the long term goal was to have success away from Rebecca as these episodes will go on, then we would have a, a place to really dive in and discuss this exact point again. Um, but the, the decision was clearly made to send Keely away in, into the, uh, you know, it's a hero's journey kind of thing. Let's get her out of the ordinary world and, and see how she, how she tackles the, the, uh, how she tackles life on her own. And so, um, I agree with you that she had, she never compromised her values. And I love her resilience in the face of this victim shaming horseshit that we're about to get in this scene. So, uh, coach, can you walk us through this, please?
0: Uh, so we get, um, we get Babs coming in. Uh, was knocking, and then uh, Keeley says, "Come in." Is now a good time, Ms. Jones. Yes, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. It's standing at her desk, very, um, very sincerely. I guess that's yeah, the word I would use. Very sure. sincerely, Bab says, "I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry about what happened." I slept that. I don't know. I, I really like that character. I like. Anyway.
1: I like. It was very simple, but you did feel it was heartfelt. And Keeley responded. She does yeah. say thank you, Barbara. Like she really She she got yeah. it.
0: Yeah. She felt it, right? And it was thank you, Barbara. Um, Jack asked me to give you this, which struck me as a very <laughs> specific phrasing. Don't think of this as me giving you this. So yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. I yeah. I cringed as soon as that phrasing was used. And ooh, what is it? It's it's a statement. Oh, and then Keeley reads the statement. Allow me to first offer my sincere apologies. I deeply regret that video that some of you have seen online. I'm beyond embarrassed and I should have never made this video in the first place. I hope you can forgive me while I learn and grow.
1: Now, that seems like a great, great response to me. Because oh here's God. the thing. Women should not be allowed to be sexual. Right, boss? I mean... In as the private, as a rule, well, in the privacy of their own homes, I mean, how dare well, they? When, how dare they?
2: No, I mean, uh, women shouldn't be I sexual see. for somebody else, is the real issue.
1: Like, oh, this is like that's that's what it all for you. So, if it's me, me, then it's good, right? You is, want them? Your, this is what your point or, or boss, uh, sorry, but or coach's point yes. was when it was like, oh, Nate doesn't want, ah, oh, what was this? This, uh, this goes back to one of our earlier episodes where we said, I was like, oh shouldn't Nate be more kind about this or something? And one of you was like, no, Nate doesn't care about that. He just wants this to apply only to him. He doesn't care about, and this is what's nauseating about whatever lawyers or attorneys or whoever drew up this, you know, absolute palaver for Keely to say. And, And her response was, was appropriately horrified. Yes.
2: I think that it was also somehow even more horrified because she said, "I'm going to go into the office. I'm their boss, and like they are going to snicker about what they've seen. Like they are, I I am going to be embarrassed in front Mm -hmm. of them because they are going to make this embarrassing for me." And instead, Barbara is lovely and says, "Like I'm so sorry that that happened to you," and the implication being it should not have. And then to immediately have that undercut by. Jack's statement that she should be embarrassed by, about this thing. That it, Keely was afraid the office was going to make fun of her. The office didn't make fun of her. Jack's response to that somehow was, but you should be worried about being embarrassed. You should feel embarrassed, even if they're not trying to embarrass you. It was a way of being victimized by Jack for a thing that she was being victimized for.
1: Every once in a while you get a scene where, and this is going to sound very critical of uh, Juno Temple, uh, and I, I don't mean it that way. But every once in a while you get a scene where, um, like, the ancillary character or the person with a smaller, technical, smaller role is so fucking good. <laughs> you just go, oh, like, Barbara really, Katie Wicks is, like, mm. she really is a tour de force. And I bet if we just took all her scenes out and looked at them, we might be like, God. Damn, like she is impressive, like excellent, like, like excellent in the meaning oh, no, of the word. Excellent. excellent. And even the subtlety and deftness with which she delivers the lines and her facial expressions and the way she carries herself and her body language and her glances over her shoulder when she leaves. I'm just, I just go. How how she pauses when she delivers lines. I, I, it's just very, and again, it sounds like, oh, compared to Juno Temple, whatever. So anyway, it's just remarkable how uh, subtle the performance of Katie Wicks is. Um, uh, we I hope you forgive me while I learn and grow. Uh, and I keep going here, Coach. Uh, what does Barbara say?
0: Jack thought you could post it across your socials, but maybe not Facebook, because that's just for um, grandparents and racists now, isn't it? I love that I love because that. I'm I was, on Facebook every day yeah. and I'm fine. And, and it hit me. I, I, it made me laugh and it made me think, yeah, cause I'm old now. I'm not a grandparent, but I'm old. And this is the difference between when I was 25, 26, and I knew what the hot place was to be. And now I don't give a shit where the hot place is to be. I have places. I like to go. And that's where I'll be. And now that place is Facebook. And so I don't like it, it. Doesn't need to be the hot new club. It's where my friends are, and it's where everybody knows my name. I'm like Norm. So it was so funny to me that like it, they, I didn't even feel like bothered or insulted. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't. Good, get the fuck out of here, trendsetters. I don't need that shit in my life. <laughs> I think
1: Bo- I think Boss and I are d- are different than you in that way. In that we like oh, yeah, we no, like being sure. on the. um like boss boss every time i say hey where do you find where can people find you about she's like well i'm still on twitter cuz she can't wait for blue sky to start so she can get the fuck off of twitter and you know facebook is um uh for grandparents and racists i believe was the uh, was the term so absolutely
0: yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i get it
2: it's it listen man late stage capitalism there there's no way to live in it and not be complicit a little bit. Like, also, I make a big deal. I'm like, oh, I well, I don't go on Facebook because you know Ed Zuckerberg and the shit that they did with the um, what was it, the leaking of the information to Every that was.
1: everything mm-hmm. they've done, everything, uh, the, the re- everything, the rebellion, the the murder of rebels in Sri Lanka. I mean, you're talking about horrific, Fucking, like ghoulish, nightmarish yes. shit, yes. like. And then they yes. just deny, and, deny, deny. They're no different than, like, tobacco industries. And they're h- horrific. Yeah, horrific. Does yeah. the tobacco so, industry
0: give you memes? I don't think so. No, <laughs> it true. doesn't. It definitely doesn't. Right.
2: But, yeah. No, no, but no, you're I'm right. Like, There's oh, nowhere I, to go no, where not, they're no.
0: not like that. Even, like, yeah. like when you start
1: because fucking
2: then I'm posting on Instagram. like Right, I'm, which, is that's owned by, which is
1: owned by Facebook. <laughs> and and then the other thing is Blue Sky, if you start to read, like, the- um. Like the contract that you sign when you join Blue Sky, oh which Jesus! You, you won't like it, boss. You will not. Every time you say that, I go, "Oh, she hasn't read that." Con-. It's like they own everything you post, and oof.
2: Oh God. Well, I don't know. We're all eventually just going to be uh, tubes of consciousness that somebody else owns. So it's fine. It's totally fine.
0: I mean, seriously, I have found myself. You know, when people are like, "Oh, TikTok, China's going to get all your information," I'm like. <sighs> Is there a government in this world that doesn't have all my information? That's my yeah, question. Yeah, come on. I mean, China, just call Iran. I mean, you don't need yeah. to go through all of this. Everybody's it's got my information. Ca- the only person that doesn't my passwords is me. That's the only one.
1: The only yes. person that doesn't know your own passwords? I'm the, I also forget me. my passwords. I mean, I'm
0: alone yeah, in it. Yeah.
1: Yes, Yeah yeah well i i know there's nothing that makes me i i'm really really careful so i have a private vpn at the house like i'm really careful about internet security i try to be really careful about everything um uh we we anything with our name on it uh, and in the mail goes in the shredder so there's like it's not like i'm trying to be like uh, out, out of uh um you know like an espionage film but i'm like i try to be judicious about it and yet then you get an email from, like, oh, this MRI imaging place where they're like, hey, sorry, we lost all your information and your password. And, your... and yes. I'm like, no, well, then pay me. Then pay me a million dollars because do you know how long and hard I have fought to keep that private? And if you go – there's a site called um Am I Pwned or something like that. Do you know, like, the term P-O-W? Like, it's owned with a P, mm-hmm. which is a gaming term. Um, and there's a site that will tell you, like, do – uh what's it boss is looking it up right now how it's it's like that uh we'll give people the exact uh, url but it'll tell you where have you been breached and you and i looked at mine years and years of being very very careful and i and there was 30 places that gave up all my data i'm like well then i should be a millionaire you th- there's no way you should continue to have a business when you wrecked my i'm just, like i don't understand how is this a uh anyway that's because corporations are people here in america
2: Oh, well, how about that? So number one, it is com. Yes. Uh, and I just checked my own and apparently I've had only one breach. And that was uh, an app that I downloaded to park in a different city. So Ouch. good luck with whatever that was. I don't think I had anything actually important on there.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, mine was like, uh, yeah, it, it's nice. it's infuriating. Anyway, um, uh, we uh we see Keeley at the very end of this, uh, uh, just really alone in that room again. Barbara leaves. Barbara, you know, sort of gingerly closes the door behind her, and then we get this beat where, um, Keeley walks out of the office past the Spaniards, not saying a word. And it just sucks. And especially after don't do anything I wouldn't do. Oi, don't do anything I wouldn't do. You know, all these like bright moments of cheeriness and, and, um, it just sucks. It just sucks. And people are scum and, uh, (laughs) not all people, I don't, but, but people that do that kind of thing and, and all these data breaches and it is so jarring. Um, and until people treat it seriously, Uh, Until until there's real – there there is no real litigation. There's no real uh, enforceable punishment in the same way that – it's better than it used to be, thank God, because of certain certain people that are – have their finger on the pulse uh, more than other politicians. But uh, you just say, okay, it's really got to be taken to another level. It's got to be made to be a much more – uh, heinous offense, especially going into the future where everything, your entire life is going to be online even more than it already is. And you, this should be, you know, it should be a, a very big deal. I,
0: it's, it's interesting. I mean, too, that, <laughs> I mean, the wording of the, the wording of the statement I mean, obviously, this was done intentionally, right? So, I mean, we get that part. But it doesn't feel unlike what you might get from some corporate overlord types. And there's truly nothing in the statement about the violation that has occurred. Like, a crime was committed, not by Keeley, And so, you know what I mean? And so for this to, like, literally shame her... And not only shame her, but have her and tell her, no, you should go out in the world and, and tell everyone how ashamed you are of the of the existence of this thing. I just thought that was Yeah. It oh, it, it oh. drove the point home for me, yeah. but it was kind of wild that like is anybody even bothering to try to figure out like who the hell did this or what's going on? And I it I, doesn't seem like we it. We
1: stupid I, I it's my fault. We glossed over this in the show notes. This is Keely was perusing this online on her on her um laptop and looking at people saying, Oh, she did this on purpose. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And it's like this this goes back to the Aaron Andrews uh situation. Do you remember that? Yes.
0: I just I just Googled Aaron Andrews because I was like, yeah, that that one I don't know why in particular, but Aaron Andrews for me was a turning point when someone just maybe she was even talking about it and said, you know, she was in her she was in the hotel room. Like it wasn't like I mean not that the Keeley situation should be exploited either, but I mean Aaron Andrews really was in her hotel room minding her right. business. Right. And and
1: it's and it's more nefarious. It like, wow. It's more nefarious than that. It was uh, as I remember it and and I pardon me if I'm if I'm doing it a disservice by remembering it uh incorrectly but a person had constructed a camera that could fit on the peephole of the yes. outside of her hotel room and would yes. go and and you know reverse magnify the the people so that could record inside her room that is that is such a violation and then i i'll never forget how many people were like trust me she did this this is her doing mm-hmm. you know nobody mm-hmm. looks at, at their butt in the mirror or whatever the heck she did you know and you're like i don't i'm like i don't even know i, I never it's, uh, thankfully it was uh you know uh, she she seems to have recovered I, from it, but you just go, my God, you. like, God, it's, it's so nauseating. Uh, and, um, in this case at least somebody did do some hard time, uh, I believe, uh, and was
0: caught. So, yeah. I, I, I think too, there's something about, it, it's a, it's a, a, a coach knows cause we've had this conversation about everything from, you know, inflate gate to everything up, but like it makes me crazy when a defense is come on everybody does this like all right stop yeah i guarantee you whatever the fuck you're talking about everybody doesn't do it one and two even if everybody does it apparently they do it better than you because you're the motherfucker who got caught so everybody does it is not and i don't know if that's growing up in my house like actually i would have gotten in more trouble for whatever it was for telling my mother that I did it because or it was all right that I did it because everybody else does it. Like, I think that would have probably doubled whatever was going to be my punishment for whatever it was. So it's it's, uh, it's mind blowing to me that if I can attribute to Keely in the show or Aaron Andrews in real life that, oh, they're just in this to like great, create a big, you know, like let's say that's true. You still ran to Google or whatever at the time. You still ran to AOL. I don't remember when the Aaron Andrews thing was, but you you ran there to look up the images and do all. So you you're you're a willing participant, and all this Aaron Andrews did it for attention. In my opinion, is just a way for you to be able to sleep tonight after you participated in this.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And don't be yeah. that person. Do not be that person. Right. Yeah. Just and yeah, for, just uh, really don't. quickly before boss, I'll let you jump in. But I wanted to say for those people, friends of ours listening outside the United States, Erin Andrews is a sideline reporter. Uh, I think she was oh, at ESPN geez, at the time uh, yeah. when it happened, and she's one of those people when you have American football games or other things like there's a. Bevy of very uh, attractive, very um, talented sideline reporters, and she was one of the you know sort of iconic, tall, blonde, statuesque, gorgeous Rebecca Welton type women who you know <laughs> with a with a not only did she have the looks, but um, has sort of an encyclopedic knowledge of the game, and she was one of those impressive people who really started to beat against the glass ceiling. Uh, because she's so good at her job, and 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 it, her and uh, you know, number number of the the women,
0: Pam Oliver, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, um, mm-hmm. and and you just say like, uh, you know, they're they're sort of pathfinding, and then on the on the road to this pathfinding, on the road to sort of yeah. breaking new ground for women everywhere, you have some uh, you know, this malicious uh sort of uh, exposure that uh, you know, obviously it was just incredibly hurtful and incredibly detrimental and so again i just want to say who are for those people who you know we have a lot of friends in in uh, new south wales they may not be uh, as up on uh, aaron andrews as we are
2: yes and thank you for pointing that out um i also love that the statement was described as being corporate because the apology itself well Being embarrassing for Keeley and humiliating for her to put out is also completely empty. It's corporate speak in a way that says, oh, I'm going to do all of these things and I'm going to learn and grow. And then she's not going to do anything. Like she's The statement is intended to offer some sort of shield where she doesn't actually have to do anything differently, but she's going to say she's going to do things differently. And then we get to repeat this cycle over and over and over again.
1: Thoughts and prayers, boss. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Women are That's supposed great. to be sexual, but only in ways that individual mm-hmm. men find acceptable at individual times. If it's anything other than that, then we get to, you know, access her private email servers and just mm-hmm. dis- put out her private videos and betray her trust. She apologizes, doesn't do anything. And then we all say like, oh, well, it worked. Like, it, it's solved.
0: On the, on the apology, thing, just because, yes, with Keeley, that's what we're dealing with. But in terms of those types of apologies, because they, those a non-apology, apology, gobbledygook things that come out. Um, again, more, more American sports. But quickly, uh, John Morant is an ascending NBA star um, who's just released, showing himself to be a bit of a knucklehead, who has now for the second time been suspended for waving a gun in an Instagram live video right to which I go seriously dude really seriously but anyway, the first time he did it, I remember because they were like, oh he had a deal with this one and he's got to deal with that one and how many millions of dollars are gonna go away so he goes away you know and a couple people come around and oh he and he comes out like two weeks later two weeks later he's like, you know I've had an opportunity to think and grow I'm like it's been two Weeks? Did you find a therapist? Did you? That's all I want to know. Did you find a therapist? Because I know how long it takes to find the right therapist. Did you find a, like how can you come out two weeks after that behavior and say I've learned, I've grown? So when it happened again, I was like, and you fucked up the bag. I know his handlers were like, "What the yep. fuck, man? We fixed yep. the whole goddamn thing. Why would you do this shit again?" But yep. it's because he didn't actually do anything all he did was take this statement and instead of going fuck is this like healy did he said all right and he put it out and repeated it and people were like oh isn't this great job morant learned his lesson and so of course he did it again and they should definitely punish him for real this time before he kills somebody next time trying to dance with a loaded gun in his hand like a fucking idiot
1: Right. It's just, it's just lip service. And, um, it's funny the way that you cleanse yourself with these non admission admissions and the grossness and emptiness of the corporate, uh, mea culpa. Um, you know, one of the, one of the ways that you clean yourself, uh, for any transgression is it's like when Antonio Brown found Jesus, oh. <laughs> I go, uh-huh. uh, uh, found, found Jesus, huh? Uh, funny. Where where it's was he hiding anyway? Was he in your locker, yeah. or under your
0: gym shorts. I'm just curious. Where yeah. where was good uh-huh. old Jesus anyway? And he was hiding at the bottom of my bank account. I could see it. and I could see him. That's <laughs> 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 where he was. Oh, oh really my god. Ready. Well, we are going to end there
1: today. Um we uh, we will begin uh next time with uh I'm so sorry that we have to end on the tears of of the amazing Keely oh, fucking god. Jones. Uh we love her very much. Um we are going to start next time with the very very interesting Taft Hartley uh recruiting scene in the in the Richmond uh locker room and um yeah there's a lot to to unpack here i i'm i'm okay this has been okay this is not been, i was worried about the what the tenor of this of this would be <laughs> but um um yeah i think it's safe to say that we uh we are, the love is shining through um coach where do people find you if they want to find you
0: WeAlign.AlignP.com. That's WeAlign is our uh, online community. And uh, we're just starting to get folks uh, to understand about this Align approach and how you can use it to live a better life. So come check us out. It's all, it's all leather and cookies over at AlignP. Oh, yeah. Um, Boss,
1: where do people find you if they want to find you?
2: Um, as was stated earlier, still on Twitter today, tweeting about how um, I-, I am afraid that I am not only attracted to Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny, I might actually be attracted to his character Charlie Kelly. Uh, I've been listening to some podcasts. It's it's a thing I'm worried about. But anyway, it's at uh, Dumbly underscore Chambers, and then also perhaps hashing out my feelings for Charlie Kelly. And a post at The Antagonist, which is antagonistblog.com.
1: Charlie Day, I Actually, really understand. Charlie Kelly, I, I mean, God help you. God help you.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, God help me. I, and I know, I know, I know for sure. He, like, no, absolutely not. He cannot be an actual romantic potential. However, I had a dream the other day, and he was very nice. Charlie Kelly, not Charlie Day. I knew in my dream that it was one and not the other. And now it's real life.
0: I love it. I confessed. I confessed. Uh, the the latest Pod Save uh, Pod save America. Alex Wagner was at their live show, and I have a a thing because I'm a big nerd, which I refer to as my brunch crush. It's not a sexual thing. Oh yes, it's somebody yes, yes, yes. I would just mm. love to hang out with for like Sunday brunch and just talk about shit. So for a very long time, Rachel Maddow was like lapping the field, and Alex Wagner did a couple jokes on that Pod Save that I was like. Watch your back, Rachel. Watch your back. Oh, she's 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 closing in. Plot thickens. That's great. Alex Wagner is my new brunch crush. I know that's going to shift all kinds of shit in the news business. That's right. Tectonic so I plates. I want to get it out there. That's right, baby. But no, she was awesome. I had no idea. She's very funny.
1: Okay, awesome. Well, uh, that's it for us today, everybody. Uh, Thank you for listening. Please support your local libraries. Please support The Written Word. And um, until next time, we are... Richmond Richmond Till We we Die. die. Yay, love it. We will be back next time with part two of We'll Never Have Paris. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. The TEDcast is a joint
0: venture between Pajiba and The Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.